We in. What's we up? In people's what what's going on? What's going on? What are you just letting everybody see, you know? See the face? Yeah. Yeah. You doing you got a headache? You feeling alright though? You gonna you gonna make it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I am I'm, I'm gonna make it. I might be a little I'll see it. I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Might be a little bogged down. When I'm when I when I wrap this thing up and you're still standing or sitting, then I'll believe that you'll make it. Standing in a metaphorical sense. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that. Alrighty. <clears throat> what's uh what's new? What's going on? <laughs> um there's a lot of fucking trailers that came out this there's week, dog. You ready to talk trailers. about this? There's what do you want to start with? I mean, I just watched Dora, so you we wanna, might as well let's start with Dora. Talk about it. Alright. How <laughs> What's the full title? Dora the Explorer and the Lost City of Gold. Is that the full title? What are we, some kind of suicide squad? Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them? Hold on. Is it, or is it just called Dora and the Lost I thought it was, City of Gold? I thought it was just called Dora the Explorer. No, it definitely has a subtitle. And the Lost City of Gold. It's just called Dora and the Lost City of Gold. You want to know what the best... The, I already know the best things about this movie and they're not in the trailer. And it's the fact that Benicio Del Toro is voicing Swiper and that Danny Trejo is voicing the monkey boots. That's amazing. I didn't know. They didn't show Danny. They don't have any Danny Trejo. When Danny Trejo says Swiper, no swiping, I'm going to, that's great. Mm -hmm. That's funny. That's a good joke. That's a bit. Mm -hmm. As for everything else, what is happening? It's crazy that it, it it's going to exist, right? It's crazy that it mm-hmm. exists. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. And like it's like some kind of weird like high school yet Tomb Raider Dude, she's as gonna be, she's going to be in high school for like 15 minutes. Yeah. It's not going to last long. Yeah, but like it they kind of like set it up in a way that yeah. like it, it makes you think that it's oh it's Dora in high school and that's going to be like yeah. some of the, but like they Go on a field trip and or get kidnapped. They go on a field trip to a museum and get kidnapped there. Clearly. Okay. Come on. Keep up. Sorry. Excuse me. Like, who is the, who's the target for this? Right? Because we're too old for it to be us. For sure. But is it like my sisters? Is it like kids that are still in high school? Probably. Is it kids that are in like Like early college right now? Grew up on Dora. Yeah, because uh, like Dora's been around for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been well, Dora's over. I'm pretty sure they don't make Dora anymore. Well, yeah. Now it's uh, Go Diego Go or whatever. That's like right? her cousin. He's in yeah, the trailer. Yeah, yeah. He's tall and skinny now. Uh-huh. That's what she says. Yeah, and he seems just like really cool. He's he seems a, like a really cool he's got guy. Got a buzz cut and he wears Ray Bans. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I I think that might be the audience though, because like it seems like they are going for a little. Like, it's not full on, <laughs> straight up kids so i didn't like, know i just found out the trailer was out i knew there was a poster and stuff i didn't know a trailer came out so i saw the poster yesterday and i was like oh they're just doing like a weird uncharted knockoff kind of thing like a tomb raider uncharted vibey thing right uh-huh. and then i watched Tron. i was like yeah but it's skewed much like lower than that right it's like it's like goofier than that yeah um definitely i love michael pena though yeah, I'm excited for that. He's great. Although, He's like, great in, in everything. What in what world would Michael Pena be married to Eva Longoria? I need you in to. What? I need you to stop sleeping on my boy Michael Pena. In what? <laughs> if anything, in what world is Eva Longoria married to Michael Pena? Is that what you're saying to Eva Longoria that she needs to stop sleeping on Michael Pena? 
No. Do, they're married. Do whatever you want. They're not, actually, though. I, I'm talking the about characters. their characters. <laughs> the characters in Dora are. Yeah, dude, but, like, I don't know. That movie, just, I don't know. Did it make you uncomfortable that this is going to get weird? Did it make you uncomfortable that Dora's hot? Yeah, it's weird. It's weird to me out since she's... She's 18. She's 18, yeah. So it's still kind of crazy. It's weirded, but it's weirded it's me illegal, out. You know? Well, no, she's 18 now. How old was she when they filmed it? True. Oh, damn. You're, you're a creep. Uh, you're a creep. Lock me up. <laughs> see? You see? You see what happened? I'm telling you, dude, every time that I'm like... I, that I, that every I, time you're questionable? I, every time I get into questionable moral like moral ground, dude. Your chair my, my chair starts sliding, dude. It's it's gravity fucking pulling me down to hell, No, but dog. That's like, what it is. It's, it's clearly like an emphasized thing. Like, they want you to realize it. They're not trying to hide it. You know what I'm saying? That she's pretty? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not like over the top or anything, but they're uh-huh. not hiding it. Yeah. And it's extra weird because it's the it's the same little girl from the last Transformers movie, not Bumblebee, but the last like what last night I think it's called. Oh. The one okay. that the girls is like crying in the trailer. I never, I never saw it either, but I saw the trailer. Mm-hmm. But it's the same girl, and she was like a child in that movie. Right. And now she doesn't look like a child anymore. Yeah. She looks like an adult. Yeah, it's weird. It freaks me out. It's weird. All right, that's enough about Dora though. So will, will you of, see it? At that no, probably not. Right. No. I'll I'll watch the clips of my. I don't Pena know though. Like I really, good. I really want to see Benicio del Toro and Danny Trejo as animals. I'll I will watch like the good parts from it. If anybody like mm. makes a supercut of all mm. of like the, the not shit. Can you stuff. do like a Danny Trejo impersonation? Do you have that in your wheelhouse? Machete. But like, say swiper no swiping. Okay. <laughs> swiper no swiping. <laughs> So dumb. Oh, that's not like that's how, just me doing like growling. How that's evil it. of a fox thief is Benicio del Toro going to be? Because Benicio can be scary as hell. Yeah, dude. What if they can fucking, make him so scary? Like, what if this movie like just has like a lot of like the stupid kind of like Nickelodeon movie kind of shit, mm-hmm. and then like and th- then that pops off. There's like th- like three specific performances yep. that are just fucking yep. amazing. <laughs> yep. Just some weird voice performances. That'd be dope. Yeah, the monkey didn't like look that good either, which, I mean, yeah. it's a trailer, so it's not a finished product, so we don't know how it's going to end up looking. But like when she hugged the monkey, mm-hmm. it looked bad. Yeah, I was didn't, like, it didn't look good. Didn't I look don't, good. It doesn't look like you're hugging a monkey. Um, All right, let's talk about some of these oh, other oh, Hold on, hold on. Oh, uh, oh. So it's, it, it's not rated. It said the, so a lot of people, the last thing in the trailer. So a lot of this people are theorizing that, uh, that it might, you might get a rated R Dora movie. That's She's not. fucking cutting up it's people. It's just whether or not it's going to be PG or PG-13, uh-huh. for sure. Which, it'll probably be PG-13 because there's weapons and adventure. Like, if Shazam is PG-13, Dora will probably be PG-13. It's my guess. Make Boots say fuck. Hell yeah. Your PG-13 movie, you got one. You've got, you got one, one fuck. F-bomb. You use that fuck. Do you use it on Danny Trejo or Benicio? Or Michael Pena. So, I mean, Swiper is the... Swiper is like a thief. So, Trejo, yeah. You think you use it with boots? Does he say say Swiper no fucking swiping? Wait, is Benicio the... The fox. He's Swiper. Okay. uh, Danny Trejo is the monkey. Boots. Gotcha. Yeah, so Benicio then. Yeah, that'd be pretty... If he's really... I don't know, like, whipping it out with Danny Trejo would be funny, though. Mm -hmm. If he says, like, Swiper no fucking swiping... (laughs) That'd be so good. <laughs> you know, there's gonna be like, uh, like some, some like 
extra features or something. And it's just like Danny and Benicio being full on adult, uh-huh. like R rated in the booth yeah. as those characters. Yeah. I'd watch that. It's I'd like watch that, that feature. It's like that, uh, that clip of John Mulaney. Uh, yeah. Doing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as Spider-Ham. Peter where he's Porker. just like cursing and shit. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh God. All right. Yeah. There's that one. Next movie. Uh, let's, let's stick with kid stuff. Toy Story 4. Which okay. not is not only I would say, kid stuff. Like, like, it's more adult stuff than anything, I think, at this point. Yeah. I, like, Who I think do you that, think they make Toy Story 4 for? Everyone. True. I think That's that, true. like, like the, the problem of... So, like, when we saw the Dora trailer, we were like, who is this really made for? Because it's, like, like mm-hmm. a weird blend of, like, okay, it's based off of, like, really little kid shit. Yep. And then, like, but she's in high school, and then there's, It's like, got Tomb Raider vibes. Yeah. So, like, like who is this for? Like, it's... Pixar is, like like perfectly manages to they know how to target everything like the four quadrants of demographics they can just be like yep this is for everyone yep um like everyone can watch this movie even if you've never seen a fucking toy story movie before and you're you know eight years old Mm -hmm. you know you can still probably like go to story story four hey random scrub eight-year-old your (laughs) shit together see toy stories one through three what the fuck is wrong with you Swiper, no fucking swiping. Um, so Toy Story 4. Pardon me. Just a little sip of tea there. Toy Story 4. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the trailer? It's very Woody-centric. Very Woody-centric. Very Woody-centric. Doesn't seem like it's like as much of a you know, a partnership of Woody and, and Buzz. Yeah. Like I heard, I read somewhere that uh, it's supposed to be like a more of a romance between between woody Woody and bo peep for sure i got that vibe Mm -hmm. you know what i like is the um the contrast to the first toy story movie right when buzz shows up woody's jealous of him Mm -hmm. woody's like afraid of being replaced as a toy yeah now fast forward 20 years or whatever it's been and forky shows up right yeah woody ain't jealous woody now has learned to embrace new toys yeah and he's learned the value of everyone very cool little little portrait of character growth. I'm excited for Forky. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I'm excited for <clears throat> Key and Peel as carnival stuffed animals. Yeah, that's fun. That's what fun. are they, Ducky and Bunny or something? And also, just like the visuals look amazing. Oh yeah, like it's it's, it's nuts. Like if you if you look side by side of like the first Toy Story, <sighs> toy story and this one, it's amazing. Just how much, how much technology has grown. Yeah, yeah it's nuts. Yeah. Bo Peep's like a badass. Especially now. considering they were like on the the. They were the ones that really pushed forward yeah. 3D animation like yep. that. <clears throat> it's amazing. I'm like when they were like we're making Toy Story four. It was like oh great, you know they made just you knew they were doing it because they made so much money from Toy Story three. Yeah, but at the same time, a part of me was like, but you know it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not going to get mad at them for cash grabbing because people yeah. are you know you know how people get they're like they're just trying to make more money mm-hmm. well no fucking shit they're a company like what do you expect from them yeah they need to make money to but, make more movies but at least they <clears throat> will but pixar reliable exactly product. pixar always puts in <clears throat> as much effort and heart as possible into all yeah. of their stuff yeah. and just because toy story 4 is maybe a cash grab yeah. That doesn't mean that it's not going to be a really high quality movie. If your worst movies are the Good Dinosaur and Cars Two, yeah, then like you've done pretty. Cars well. Two is the Iron Man Two of the Pixar universe. I've never seen it. Neither, neither have I, but I know what it is. <laughs> Dude, what if it's really good? It's not. We're just fucking operating I've off seen, speculation. I've seen uh, Spy Mater shit. It's bad. What? 
Mater's like a spy. He's a spy in the second one? Yeah. What? He meets like a James Bond car and he's a spy so, oh, or so some he shit. So he meets an Aston Martin or Aust- Austin It might Martin. actually be know, an Aston I don't know how to pronounce it. It might actually be an Aston Martin. That's what James Bond drives. Yeah. Well, he's driven a bunch of different cars, but. But like that's the the main thing that yeah. he, he yeah, drives. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like yeah. synonymous yeah. with James, James Bond. Have they moved on with the new James Bond movie? Have they? They're doing one more with Daniel Craig, right? Are they? I think they're doing... Well, because remember all the shit he said where he was like, he never wanted to do another one and he hates making them and they're like yeah. brutal on him because of the like the the amount of work he has to put into being in that good... Of, he's pretty old. Mm-hmm. Like, he's... I want to say he's around 50. I might be wrong. He's an old man. He's an old man. But he's like... He like apparently hates making them. But right. he's contractually obligated to make one more, I think. Mm. So they've got... I don't know. I don't know if they're waiving him from it or not and doing a new one. Because you hear talk so often about who's going to be the next James Bond. And I don't even know if they're on the last Daniel Craig one yet. I think they might be making one more with him and then doing the new James Bond. Mm. Anyways, there was no James Bond trailers that came out. No, it just made me think of it. Mm, Uh, It's also interesting. Like, who's going to be the new James Bond? I don't know. A lot of people say Henry Cavill. A lot of people want Idris Elba. It's... Henry Cavill American or British? No he's British dude He is British He's fucking British dog Huh Yeah I mean I just assumed Because he was Superman I guess Yeah Well like It's like How come An American actor Can't play James Bond But a British actor Can play Superman That doesn't seem right Right I don't, I, Yeah I don't really Why care don't we really. put the same value On the Our homegrown actors As Britain does They love British Like British people Love British actors, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're like they're they're like we have the best actors, and they're kind of right. British actors oftentimes are fucking amazing. For example, you can't even tell Henry Cavill's British. Yeah, if you didn't know it, didn't know it. Yeah, he pulls it off in Superman and in The Man from Uncle. He I've is like he is like the American. He's so American, and in Mission Impossible. Is that movie good? Yeah, I like Man, Man from, from Uncle. Uncle. Yeah, it was cool. Alicia Vikander's in it, dog. Of course, is it very great. like? Uh, is it like James Bond esque? Uh, kind of, but it's also like more about. Um, I don't know shit about the source. It's more about so. yeah, me neither. It's more about like Henry Cavill and Army Hammer's sort of like competitive partnership. Okay. Than it is about. Is Army Hammer good in it? He's like Russian, or some shit. Okay. Like you, he's some sort of Eastern European, but yeah, he's that good. That can be kind of. Weird people with Russian accents, you know, it can, it can be kind of like hacky. You know? No, he's good at it. Okay. And then Alicia Vikander is, I think she uses her real accent. It's British? No, she's not British. So she's not British, but she has a British accent. Oh. She's, so she's like. Where's she from again? I think she's uh, Swedish. Yeah. I think she does a Swedish accent, but I don't remember exactly. Anyway, yeah, it's a fun movie. <clears throat> what did you say? You said something. Huh? Huh? Next movie. Uh, Once Upon a Time in America. You want to talk about that? In America? Or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. What movie are you talking about? Is this the sequel? Once Once Upon a Time Time in America America is is a movie. Um, Once Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hollywood. The movie looks fucking great. It looks fun, right? It looks so fun. It looks like a lot of fun. It looks so... Dude, the the last shot of that scene of that trailer... When the little girl tells Leo DiCaprio what a great actor he is, and then he starts like crying, <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> oh my god! I feel like it's gonna 
there's going to be a lot of that, like just reflecting the egos of Hollywood. Yep. It's like, I feel like it's going to be the predominant yeah. kind of humor that, that comes through this movie. And they do it again, sort of. So in, there's the it. scene when Brad Pitt and Leo are being interviewed and he's like, what, carry his load? Yeah, that's basically what I do. <laughs> It's so good. Also, Bruce fucking Lee. <laughs> oh my god, asshole Bruce Lee. <laughs> fucking oh my full of himself. God, he's such a dick. Narcissistic Bruce Lee, which like you kind of know that he would yeah. be. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I love Bruce Lee, guys. Like I grew up watching Bruce Lee movies. Like one of the, the, the only reason, the sole reason that I bought nunchucks and started learning nunchucks was because of Bruce Lee. Because at, like at a very young age. I was fascinated with Game of Death and seeing him in the yellow jump shoot, jumpsuit just fucking doing Nunchucking. his thing, you know? Nunchucking, right? I love Bruce Lee, but he is a narcissist. Mm-hmm. And he's like, even there's a quote from Bruce Lee that's like, uh, that said like, if I told you that I wasn't the best, I'd be lying. But if I tell you that I am the best, then I'm an asshole or whatever. You're like, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. <clears throat> What's the but line like he, he says he in was, the trailer though where he's like... <laughs> He said, he's like, if I got into a fight and accidentally killed someone, <laughs> then I would be sent to jail. And then Brad Pitt's like, if anyone accidentally, accidentally killed, killed someone in a fight, they'd be sent to jail. Yo, it's going to be a fun movie. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's also going to be Margot Robbie's in it. We haven't even mentioned her. Yeah. It's also going to be like the weird now that we're well, in Hollywood. The, the weird thing about it is that it's like the time frame it's based around mm-hmm. and the uh, sort of topical... Uh, you know, like what they're touching on apparently is uh, what's his name? Oh, jeez. Hold on. Well, maybe not. There's not even anything in the description. They're written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Oh, yeah, by the way, even, I don't even know if we, we, know if we brought that, that up. Uh, for those that don't know, this is Quentin Tarantino's new movie, um, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt. Uh, do, do you remember anybody else that was in it? Like those, like those are the Margot main Robbie. guys. Like yeah, Margot Robbie's the other one. Uh, uh, but Leo basically plays like a an uh, actor. A, yeah, he plays a really big actor, and then Brad Pitt is his stunt double, right? Um, yeah, Al Pacino's in this movie. Looks really fun. Fucking what? Charles Manson. That's that's what I was thinking. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, but it's it's in it's like tertiarily mm-hmm. connected to the yeah. Charles Manson murders. Yeah, I could not remember the name. But yeah, apparently, yeah, Al Pacino's in it. Tim Roth, Dakota Fanning, yep. Timothy Oliphant, the sexiest man alive. <laughs> Kurt Russell, Damian Lewis, Emil Hirsch. There's a James Marsden, Scoot McNary. Yep. Rumor <laughs> Will. There's a crap ton of people in this movie. Jesus, Michael Madsen. Of course, it's a Tarantino right. film. Holy well, I mean, s- same thing with Tim Roth and Bruce Dern, even Kurt Russell now. Bruce Dern. Jesus, this is nuts. Yeah, one of the things I really liked about the trailer is that it showed, it really painted the tone strongly. It was like, here's what this movie is going to be like, the experience of this movie. Mm-hmm. And then it showed us like a couple good moments, but nothing. Like, who know, do you know what that movie's about? Uh, I know it's going to be about Hollywood, is it? That's Yeah, exactly. Like, who has any clue, like, what's going to happen in that movie? Not me. I bet you that some people die. I bet you there's blood. Hold on. Have you, have you seen a Quentin Tarantino movie? I bet movie? you that there's like a black dude that Have you seen a Quentin Tarantino? A bunch. Yes, I have. And that is what I'm basing this off of. 
Either way, I'm excited for it. Yeah, Obviously, like I'm gonna see you, anything that Quentin Tarantino yeah. makes. Do you like, do you put any stock in his thing that he's only ever gonna make ten movies, or whatever that number, whatever his yeah. his number was? I if so, a, this is the second to last movie. I, I yeah, I think that he's a he's a weirdo, and he has he like very well, but he has like very specific um, ideas ideals about the way that he makes movies and mm-hmm. his theories on movies mm-hmm. and what he wants to do after he's done filmmaking. What does he want to do after he's done making movies? Make fucking film textbooks. That's so boring. I don't know. I would fucking love- What would you rather have exist? Huh? What would you rather have exist? The 11th film by Quentin Tarantino or the first film textbook by Quentin Tarantino? I, see, I want... Whatever Quentin Tarantino is passionate about, no, stop, for him to make. Stop pandering to Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> no, I'm pa- no, I'm pandering to my inner fucking passion. I think that like, uh, anybody, I get it. If if he has it in his brain and in his heart that like, okay, I can't keep doing this forever, and this is this is a young man's game, and I can't do this until I'm sixty. You know, which I would. Say, a lot of people disagree with. Look that. at Marty. Even. Well, a lot of people disagree with it, even very successful people. Mm-hmm. Marty Scorsese is one. Akira Kurosawa is another. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they just believe that they can do it until they die. Mm-hmm. Um, but Quentin's also, very, the same thing. Quentin's also very precious about his... Um, his selection of yeah, his, movies. So like the yeah. way that he, his filmography is very precious. To yes. Him. Yes. Yeah. And he, and he wants anybody who, you know, is first discovering Quentin Tarantino to be able to take out anything from the Quentin Tarantino yep. filmography and watch it and be impressed. Yeah. He wants fucking uh, death proof to be his worst movie. Yeah. Um, which is like, also, I mean, that's very different to even uh, guys like Woody Allen. Woody mm-hmm. Allen makes a movie every year. Every year, yeah. And he Same has with like, Clint Eastwood. And he has a, he like he has a lot of clunkers. Like there's mm-hmm. there isn't a lot of like super bad movies, but there's a definite like you know Midnight in Paris is probably you know widely regarded as way better than Vicky Cristina Barcelona. You yeah. Know? Um, I really like Midnight in Paris. It's fucking it's a charming ass movie. Mm-hmm. Charming ass movie. Um, but you know what I think. I think that maybe right now Quentin Tarantino thinks that, you know, he's like, Oh, I want these, these 10 movies. And I want them all to be good. But you know what I think he is? I think he's Brett Favre. Yeah. Yep. I think he's Brett Favre. What? So I think that, what do you mean? I think he loves it too much. Yeah. I think Quentin Tarantino, maybe he takes off four or five years, whatever, writes a film textbook, writes a book, you know, whatever he wants uh-huh. to do, follows his, follows his bliss. Yeah. But I think he misses it. And he's going to like eyes wide shut Stanley Kubrick it and make a, like sure. a, a movie way after I think he might he mm-hmm. could do he could come out of retirement a little bit pull a Brett Favre an MJ yeah pull an MJ hopefully mm-hmm. better than MJ but like Brett Favre came back and went to the NFC championship game mm-hmm. still slinging it I don't know if MJ was the wiz- I, the wizard years <laughs> weren't really on that par uh, either way once upon a time in Hollywood looks fun once upon a time in Hollywood. we'll definitely go see it we'll, we'll, yo I like seeing the posters all around like the other, the other night, I was like walking somewhere and I saw the poster and I just like took a picture on Snapchat of me sitting between them and I was like, my new friends, mm-hmm. my, my friends Leo and BP. <laughs> <laughs> um, last one, the most important one. Are you sure saying. it's the last one? I'm going to throw in, I know what you think is the last one, so I'm going to throw in Brightburn again. Oh, shit. Yeah. I forgot putting A that second in. Brightburn trailer came I forgot out. to p- fucking write that down. Yo. I don't know why I didn't write that down. Yo, where's your hype level for Brightburn right now? Uh, it's 
it's it's weird. It's mm-hmm. weird because like there's like prongs of like okay, I could see this being a bad movie, but a James Gunn is involved, so like so I have faith. Producer, right? he's a producer. His cousin or brother is, is, the writer. is directing it. Writer director. I'll I'll look it up. Keep right. talking. Okay. Uh, Clarify. James Gunn is involved. I thought he was directing it though. Okay. I don't think so. Okay, I've got the information here on Brightburn. It is written by two of James Gunn's brothers, ah. not the one that plays Rocket on set. Okay. Not Sean. Brian and Mark Gunn. It is directed by David Yerovesky, who doesn't really have much in his history. He did direct the Disco Inferno music video from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So he's got that going That's for cool. Him. He's just clearly one of James Gunn's friends. Right. Which James Gunn is... <clears throat> uh, he's someone who is always putting his friends in things and having helping his friends do things. Yeah. So that's... Why he's a producer on this movie, Brightburn. So second trailer came out. You, 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 okay, so it made me want to see it even more. Second trailer. I'm still into. There were specific things in it that I was like, like this could be kind of, like this could be bad if mm-hmm. it's you know, even like you know, like there's there's grounds here for like it. For me to be scared, you know, like, like, like what? We're like worried. So like the scene where. Uh, uh, Elizabeth Adams is, that's her name, right? Or is Elizabeth Banks? There you go. Yeah. Elizabeth Banks, she's in the kitchen and she's like screaming and it, like uh, her kid is flying through the kitchen in and out. Like I've, I found it kind of funny. I'm really? kind of more funny oh, than I anything. Um, I thought that was scary. But like I think that there might that would be, be freaky. I think that there might be a lot of that. Okay. I think that there's going to be some like dark humor to it. Um, oh, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. just from the people involved. There could definitely be dark mm-hmm. humor. Yeah. Um, Yo, that, the, that's why I'm not too worried about it. The glass in the eye, Ugh, miss me with that, dude. Uh, miss me with that. Yeah. Uh, like, so you've taken uh, the history of motion pictures. Mm-hmm. Do you remember uh, an Andalusian dog? The, the it's a movie by that was made by uh, Luis Manuel and Salvador Dali. Listen, but it has. Listen, if we're gonna be serious about saying that I took history of motion pictures. We have to be honest about what that means for me okay? and how many classes I may or may not have attended throughout my entire college uh, experience. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you know who Salvador Dali is. Yes, the name is familiar. So <laughs> Salvador Dali is a, is a surrealist. Um, sure. Yeah, uh, but him and uh, Luis Bunuel made a movie uh, called uh, An Andalusian Dog, or Un Chien de Lao, uh, in French. Um, but All that French you've been doing, that's what you got for me? Where's, yeah. where's, my, where's my swag, dog? Wee, wee. Wee, wee. Monsieur. No, but uh, fucking... In that movie is known for having a scene where I think it like a barber uh, takes a straight edge razor to a woman's eye. And you can see it like, and it's um, the, the, uh, the importance of the, the shot is it's showing like the, the, the different ways that people were cutting together different inf- uh, information. Um, and cause it like, it cross cuts that shot with a shot of like the moon and like the cloud, like a cloud going through the moon. And then it, it goes right into a fucking razor going through this girl's eye and fucking no, thank like, you. pus. No, thank out. you. No, thank you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the, like the most unsettling shots, mm-hmm. uh, in like film history. 
but like that's immediately what it mi- reminded me of like the, her that's like good. pulling directly good. pulling glass yeah, out uh, of her eye and like they don't it also gave a little context to the first trailer where he's just is tormenting this poor woman right. in a freezer now we see that she's a bitch uh-huh. and that's why he's doing it <laughs> yeah yeah i'm i'm interested in this movie for sure i think it's i think it's a very fun idea and could be very good. I, I, like, I also like the fact that James Gunn is involved and decided to be like, my yeah, name's all over this, this shit. Like, like, yeah, a, my name's all over this shit, but also pushing for something to be made when it's like on questionable legal grounds. As long as they never say Smallville or Superman or Clark Kent. Yeah. Or like any of those. They're fine. They're perfectly fine, I think. Krypton. I, just, I, I don't. I think they're good. I don't know enough about. Listen, if if no one could use Superman's powers or parts of his power set, we'd be fucked. He has almost all of them. <clears throat> no one could fly or have heat vision just, or super it's strength. It's so like, clearly like. Oh, yeah. It's Superman complete ripoff. It's evil. a complete ripoff. Yeah. yeah. But it's very like interesting. Like the only way to pitch this movie is if Superman was evil. Yeah. That's the movie. It's, it's interesting, though. Mm-hmm. And makes spooky writing, which is literally just, I, it's just his name. I did that when I was a kid. I would write little things where I would mirror letters. So right. like I would write Kyle with a line and then the lines on both sides. So it's a K mirrored. Yeah. And I would do it with every letter. That's all that symbol is. It's a B mirrored. Oh, okay. And his name is like Brandon so that's where it's coming or from. something like that. I so mean, that's where it's coming from. Yeah, it, but it looks like an alien symbol. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, oh, and it, it also like it's a, very similar yeah, to the... exactly. But uh, it's just a B mirrored. Yeah. It's like how kids would draw the sup S yeah. all the time. Like, I would do that with letters. I would just mirror them when I was mm-hmm. little. Never thought about using them as my evil logo, though. Mm-hmm. That's pretty smart. <laughs> all right, let's talk about the one, the, the bell of the bull. Stranger Things Season 3 trailer. Yeah. Ooh, boy. Ooh, boy. Out of so are you more excited for this than any of the other things that we've talked about so far? Probably. Toy Story 4 would be close. I am. As like as as semi disappointed as I was with season 2 of Stranger Things. Um I liked season 2. It had the one shitty episode. I I liked it. There was one very shitty episode. Like really bothered me. It just me. didn't make sense that it was there. It was just unnecessary. Yeah, it was, it was unnecessary. that's unnecessary. It was, it, yeah, um, that. But like, there was a lot of things where I was just like, "Man, it's missing this." Like the best thing about season two of Stranger Things is the Sean Aston, huh? <laughs> Sean Aston's fine, <laughs> uh, but it's the the unexpected relationship between Steve and Dustin. Yeah, that's amazing. Right? That's it's the great. best thing, it's, right? Well, we get we get full blown mom, Steve. Exactly. That's what is sort of birthed in season two. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's also like it goes to show the best part about this show is the interrelationship yeah, between the characters. characters. Yeah. And if you're going to go through an entire season where we don't get to see Mike and Eleven together, it's going to bother me. Like, I'm okay with them. Oh, being, you have a little shipper's heart. I just I I like seeing the characters interact with each mm-hmm. other, and I think that it's the best part about the show. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the biggest problems about season two was the fact that like all of these characters are on their own little side quest, mm-hmm. and they don't really interact with each other as much, mm-hmm. you know. But like the the best part of it was fucking Dustin and Steve getting together. The unlikely friendship. friendship I really liked the, them. the Hopper's arc in season two too. 
Yeah, well, I the, really liked Dad Hopper. The, the yeah, the fathership thing, mm-hmm. like the the Kramer versus Kramer kind of thing that mm-hmm. he went through. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that as well. But it's also very like I feel like they could have done that while also. Either way, I think that as you know, much as I was disappointed by season two, I think that it could lead to a lot of amazing yeah. things in yeah, season yeah, yeah. three. Like the reuniting, the sort of now integrating Eleven into being a normal person. Yeah. Is going to be very fun. Which I, I, I want I'm that. I'm excited for them to move off the Halloween thing. Okay. And this is a 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Is the, the, time, the time frame of uh-huh. this season. I think that's really fun. Uh-huh. Just giving a different vibe. Like, I, I kind of feel like the horror element of Stranger Things is a little bit overblown. Yeah. To the point where like like people are like will be like oh Stranger Things is so scary and I'm like yeah it's yeah, it's whatever it's you know there's creatures okay. but the thing that makes it great is what you're talking about it's the it's the it's the inverse of the horror stuff mm-hmm. that's the stuff that to me makes Stranger separates Stranger Things from other horror projects I think that the I mean what makes Stranger Things great is the interconnectedness of all of those things, mm-hmm. you know? Like yeah, they do the, a good job of balancing the, it. The, well, the the horror also expands on the the, the character work, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, like, puts these characters into conflicting situations that that horrify you, that gross you out, whatever, um, that, that interest you, that create mm-hmm. mystery. Um, and that expands on the character work itself. I don't think that, like, you can really singular... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah sure, that's true. But I, like, the reason that I singled that out was to show why... I didn't like season two as much you know what? because I was also missing that element. I also it think still had horror elements. I also think season one was way scarier than season two. Yeah. Season, I don't like during season two, I was never like spooked, like spooked. Whereas in season one, up until we saw the creature for the first time. Wait, uh, so well, what about the, the big, Oh fuck! What was it's it just called? cool. I just think it's cool. The, well, the 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 huge yeah, the big Cthulhu monster. Yeah, I just thought it was cool. I, I mean, I've never. I, I could probably agree with you. Season one's scarier than yeah. season two. Yeah, I can agree. Well, with it's you. part of the it's the it's the double edged sword of revealing your your monster in a horror movie. Once you've seen it, it's less scary because mm. it's less mysterious. Yeah, you your your imagination can't run away with what it might be. And how awful it might be because now you know exactly the answers to that question. And we also have like sort of like a logical conclusion as to what the monster is, where it comes from, where and it resides. And in season two. So you have more information. In season two, there season are two. more monsters, but they seem less intelligent. They're less scary. They're more yeah? like dogs hmm. than in season one where they True. seem like an intelligent being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though it's the same creatures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was like more of like a horde. Although I do though. love the scene in season two when they're in that junkyard in the bus and all of them are coming towards them. That's and, a and mom, scene. mom, Steve Ooh. is ready with the bat. That's, That's a, a fucking great good scene. scene. Yep. There's some really good stuff in season because he's two. like he's about to fight like one of the dogs, and right? then a and bunch then they of them. They out. kill one, I think, and then yeah. a bunch show up. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, there's there's definitely <clears> good good things in season. I'm two. super hyped for season three. The trailer looks like a lot of fun. There's like, there's so many characters, like they, the, some of the characters, that, I forgot that fake Zac Efron was in it. And I really liked him in season two. Why, why do you call him fake Because Zac he acts like Zac Efron. Why, he does, he dude. Like Have Zac you Efron? seen Power Rangers? Yeah, I've seen Power Rangers. He acts like Zac we, Efron. We, we've, we've had a heated discussion on Power Rangers. About how bleh it is? I, I, I enjoyed it. It's bleh. I enjoyed it. It's bleh. It could have been so much better. I enjoyed it. 
There's so much bad shit, and it's fuck that Goldar, fuck it to hell, burn it with fire. I'm fine with it. Fight me. I'm fine with it. Fucking liquid. That is my Goldar. Fuck off. (laughs) He didn't even have any monkeyness to him. Where's his blue monkeyness, man? He's not even like a real. He's like a weird collection of liquid. Fuck off with that Goldar. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Boo. That movie should have been so much. Would better. you say that you are uh, Rita repulsed by that gold? Ooh, that was good. I like <laughs> that. Nice. All right. Anyway, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything like specific from that trailer that like got me extra excited. Uh, Stranger Things three. Yeah. Um, For sure, it's like. Integrating Eleven into society is going to be a lot of fun. Oh That's God, be I'm great. so excited for that. I like that. Like her and they're leaning into the, the Steve and Dustin stuff. What's the redheaded girl's name? I forget. Jerry or something? Doesn't she have like a boy's I name? Forgot. Like a like a boy girl name? She's, but like I like the fact that they're like friends. Like she's they seem like they have a little friendship. She's ginger. I don't care. You are such a dick, dude. Your own people. Yeah. You're like Hitler. Yeah. You hate your own people. Pretty much. Wow, you're an asshole. Whew, it's not the first person. time I've gotten it. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, you know what freaked me out, dude, about this trailer? Finn Wolfhard. Yeah, the fact that he's like seven foot tall. Yeah, he's like nine, he's like nine feet tall, and he looks like a 90-year-old man. Uh, her name is Max. The character's name is Max. I knew it was a boy name. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know why I forgot that, because like, her name was on the fucking... Yeah, uh, it was like really important, because it was like the score on the I thing. Thought, yeah, the, the arcade. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah I, think, I think that the, the Dustin sort of not growing up with the rest of them is very cute. That's going to be fun. Him and Steve, obviously. Mm-hmm. We need more mom Steve in our yeah. lives. We talked about also, this a little bit. Also, oh, fucking, uh, what's his name? Carrie El- U- Els? El- the, the guy from Princess Bride. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to pronounce his yeah, yeah, last yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? He's like playing like a politician, it looks yeah, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he, I saw someone that was like, the mayor gives off Jaws vibes. Mm. I was like, that's interesting. No, but, oh, uh, fuck. Oh, shit. Maybe that's... That's part of it. Like, maybe. like, well, you, you have like, do you know Jaws? Mm-hmm. Well, like, like, like the mayor was like trying to cover. I've been on the up, ride. Right? Well, the mayor was trying to cover everything up. Yeah, I know. That's like, yeah, yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, that would be cool. Well, it like almost like you have this mayor who's like public personas that he's trying to turn the town around and bring them out of these horrible and events. all these spook- and then spooky and, things happen. And it turns out that he's an asshole. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty interesting. Um, oh no, what was I just about to say? Uh, we were talking about Steve. Oh, uh, we talked about this the other day. Can you think of a character who went from being as hateable as Steve to as lovable as quickly? I mean, Jamie Lannister is, a, I think, a good example. Yep, he's of a good like, example. He's similar. I don't think he's as lovable as Steve, though. I, I He agree. still has things about him like that you're like, I don't know if I'm supposed to like Jamie well, or not. Well, it's also like more, I think that like on the spectrum of evilness. That's like, true. He was way more evil. He was, he was way, way more evil. evil yeah. Than, so he has, he like has further Steve, to go. Steve was like, he was just a jockey dick. douche. He was a high school bullet. Yeah. He was yeah. a douche. Yeah. Um, and then like it ends up becoming lovable. Mom, mom. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> lovable mom. Um, yeah. But like Jimmy uh, Lannister is a really good yeah, example. He's a good of, example. Like the, the, like it's, and it's not even necessarily like them changing, but like, you're uncovering information. You're learning about, more about who they are. You're more, more learning more about who they are. And it's like almost like your perspective on them changes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a characteristic of, of good writing, being mm-hmm. able to do that. You know, it's, it's not necessarily the character going 180, but your perspective on them mm-hmm. going 180. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I like that. Jamie Lance has a good answer. I couldn't, I don't know if I can think of any, anyone else that does to that degree. 
Like there's other things where bad guys be like Piccolo. He was a bad guy. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah. Early on, he was a bad guy. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anyone. I mean, Piccolo's like kind of always a dick though, right? Like he's a good guy, but he's like kind of an asshole. Yeah. He's like, you know, like if you were like a kid stumbling around a junkyard, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like Piccolo's like like the the junkyard manager and like he's all like gruff and telling you to get out, get away yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and then yeah, like yeah. you end up becoming friends with them, you yeah. know, like Sandlot style. Yeah. I was, that's what I was going to say. You're talking yeah. about Sandlot? You, like, like Snape doesn't qualify. Like we, the perspective thing with Snape qualifies, but Snape at the end, we're, we don't like him. He's still a horrible dick. We just realized that his motivations were good. Uh-huh. And that he was, at the end of the day, on the the side of the good guys. Well, and also it didn't... Like, Snape like, is a fascinating character. Well, but JK... Hasn't JK also come out being like... Like, like <clears throat> you can't say that he's 100% good or 100% no, yeah, bad. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like he's someone he's who's sort of like playing... Uh, like, he's sort of going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he has all these positive aspects, but look at all this dickish shit that he's he also... You can't... Just because he did that yeah. good stuff, you can't ignore the bad the stuff. The bad stuff, yeah. Which is true. Which, that's why mm-hmm. I'm saying he doesn't qualify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's too evil. <laughs> like, he's just... He's really mean. Mm-hmm. He's so mean. He abuses children constantly. Mm-hmm. Constantly. But I would say that's like kind of the same thing with Jamie Lannister too. Like you can't forgive him. Uh, he's closer to in Snape the same than way. Steve. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Because he still does I mean, awful just, shit. Now, I would we're, still we say don't, Jamie's worse than Snape. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because the only person that we, we know that Snape ever killed as a part of this war was Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. Oh, yeah, can Snape we talk about this? Fuck Yikes. off. Yes. That was a meme when we were in like element or middle school. People know. What if unless you're that, what eight, if that same unless you're that eight year old kid. Now I blew it for you. Like Sorry, the, the, the reason that he's not watching what movie were we talking about? Toy Story Toy three. Story. The, uh, the, the first Toy Story is one through three. Yeah. It's because he's reading Harry it's Potter. It's because he's reading Harry Potter and then you I just would, ruin I would say to you, hey kid, you can do both, you yeah. bitch. Yeah. Do them both. He's reading, reading Harry Potter and then in his spare time watching our podcast. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know why that kid's here. <laughs> Is it your nephew? Huh? No, my nephew's older than that. Oh, okay. Um, and has seen Toy Stories 1 through 3? Uh, you better have, <laughs> Chris's nephew. Uh, yeah. I just thought, I think that's interesting. I think it's a cool character piece of character work, mm. Steve. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm really excited for Stranger Things 3. It's going to be dope. You got any? Did, were there more trailers? I don't uh, think so. No, I don't, I don't have any. I got another movie trailers. thing that I saw this week that I think is really interesting. Okay. So I was watching a YouTube video where uh, Michael J. White is on a podcast. Bruh! Talking about The Dark Knight. I was just about to Whoa! Oh, how weird is that? It's not very that, like, it's not that weird. YouTube just has algorithms and pushes its con- certain yeah, uh, but aspects of it. It's content. still kind of weird. So, okay, so I thought this of, was super interesting. You watched it, right? Him talking about Heath Ledger I was, I was and working like, with Chris Nolan. As you started bringing that wow. up, I was like, how can I transition this into the Michael wow. J. White thing? Wow. That's crazy. Oh, so you go into conversations thinking about how you can steer them to where you want them to go? Wow, that's really cool of you. Uh, wow. I, I, yeah, I actively think about like having uh, good transitions See, between our, uh, I active, our topics. I just, I just actively For the listen. benefit of our listeners, yeah, I do, Kyle. If that makes me an asshole, then go ahead. <laughs> you know... A wise man once said that I'm Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Is that me? Am I the wise man? <laughs> yeah. That's really nice of you. <laughs> Thanks, Hitler. That's a good compliment. 
Okay, actually, so actually, that wise band was. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> uh, the. All right, let's fill the people in on what this uh, this Michael J. was. So for I those who say something ridiculous like uh, like Danny Trejo. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, Danny Trejo. Why is well, Danny Trejo thinks? Bring it back to Danny Trejo. Okay, so for those of you who don't know who Michael J. White is, Michael J. White is an actor and martial artist. Um, probably is he? He's not. Is he most he Spawn? Spawn maybe is most was known. Huge. He was in the Dark Knight. He played mm-hmm. one of the gangsters. Yeah, he's like the head of the one of the the gangs in the Dark Knight. He was also in Arrow. He played the Bronze Tiger in Arrow. I didn't know he was in Arrow. Yeah, he's been in a few episodes of Arrow. Hmm. Um, he's been in a bunch of stuff. A lot of martial arts things. I think he was in Never Back Down Two. Which I've never seen. Yes, but I've seen the poster for on Netflix multiple times. Uh-huh. Um, He's also in the Undisputed movies. You ever seen those? No, Undisputed. Uh, so I don't know if I've even ever seen Undisputed one because uh, I think that like it's kind of the same thing as Never Back Down, where like the the sequel is like a completely different person. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and like Undisputed two and three are Michael J. White. I'm pretty sure, but Undisputed one is someone completely different. Mm-hmm. But uh, really fucking fun martial arts movies where Michael J. White is in prison and he fights. Uh, I don't know if you're gonna get this, but uh, jacked Ben Affleck, the the martial artist, like he's like, so he looks like fucking Ben Affleck. What's his name? I don't know. Uh, like it's weird to, to say Jacked Ben Affleck because that's just Ben Affleck now. Now that he's been Batman, yeah, but he like knows how to fight and shit. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, he knows how to fight and shit. He's like he's a lot like Michael J. White and uh, okay. that he's like okay. a martial artist and an actor. Okay. And he's usually used as a uh, a stunt man and shit okay. like that. But I'm I'm trying to think of he's I think that he's which been undisputed in bigger, is this? He uh, undisputed too. Um, but he's in like some type of foreign prison Last where in stand. order, like, Scott like Adkins? all of the Scott, Scott Adkins. Yes. Um, he, you know how I knew that? Why? Cause he looks kind of like Ben Affleck. He looks like fucking Ben <laughs> Affleck, right? Uh, there's a movie where he's, he's, uh, in a movie with, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and Sasha Baron Cohen tells him that he looks like, ben Oh Affleck. really? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure That's he's, fine. that dude's probably gotten his, his entire life. Yeah. Um, but really fucking talented martial artist. Okay. Um, as well as Michael J. White, but like it's this movie set in prison. They're fucking, and all the prisoners have to fight each other. And obviously, that's cool. Uh, Scott Adkins plays the the villain. He's like the the badass but dude that nobody can fucking. Beat. Is Undisputed Two as good as Seven Minutes in Heaven episode of Daredevil? It's completely different. It's, it's completely just people different. in prison fighting. One of dude. The, huh? Just people. I'm just comparing people in prison fighting. That's all. Uh, but like this is more like a tournament. Oh, whoa, that's fucking it's weird. Like a, it's like a tournament in prison of like people kickboxing and shit. So it's and like Luke Cage. Th- like there, I really appreciate like the different styles of choreography and fighting and like mm-hmm. the rhythm to it. Right. Like, cause you know how like, like Daredevil has its own thing, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, with the seven minutes in heaven episode that you just brought up, it's very, uh, it's very real, very grounded. Like you, you, it feels like a real fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually shot with like these long shots and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, completely different from say, uh, like a John wick or even like, like an even way further out there, like, like crouching tiger, hidden dragon. John wick is also kind of, it's grounded, but it it's mixed in with a lot of crazy stuff too. Oh, there was another John wick trailer this week too. Yeah. I didn't see that. Dude, I fucking love John wick. 
Smoothie but it's so also good. mixed in with a lot of crazy stuff too because yeah. he's like constantly like sniping people in yep, the heads yep, and yep. The, uh, there's like these bigger set pieces and yeah. stuff. Um, dude, the new one looks nuts with set pieces. Right. There's like a motorcycle scene with like mm-hmm. five dudes on motorcycles chasing yeah. John Wick and he's got like a knife So it has, and they all like are ninjas. It looks crazy. It has like more of like a Mission Impossible-esque kind of yeah, action. A little bit. A l- you get but what I'm saying? way more believable. Like, yeah, exactly. I believe... Everything John Wick does could be done. But Daredevil doesn't have anything that's that grandiose. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know that the productions I themselves, I, are they have a lot of effort. I think a big part of it with with Daredevil is the amount of, like, the acting level of, mm-hmm. of Charlie Cox and the stunt doubles mm-hmm. of, like, how battered they appear throughout their right. fights and stuff. Mm-hmm. And how he's always, like, getting up from, th- and he's exhausted and he's, and he's willpowering through these things. Yeah. Whereas in John Wick, it's more about, like, efficiency, right? Yeah. John yeah. Wick is about like how efficiently can I kill 30 dudes? And it's awesome. But There's like, a shot even, in the new John Wick trailer of choreographed dog fighting, like two dogs running across a room alongside Halle Berry and like jumping over a table and attacking two different dudes. It's amazing. Really? I was like, this looks so dope. Damn. Oh, it looks so cool. Yeah. Okay, but like, and, and then there's like movies like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon Which is that super have like surreal. Well, it's super surreal. It's it's. I mean, it's based in like like wire foo yeah. kind of. Uh, uh, it's almost it's almost that, like, magical what the people are exactly, doing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like there, it's like superhero films of its own genre. Yeah. Um, and it's more poetic and graceful uh, mm-hmm. than anything. Um, which is like something that Daredevil is completely not. Yeah. Um, but like undisputed. Uh, the Undisputed movies, uh, I've seen two and three. I don't think I've seen the first one. Um, but they have like their own rhythm to them. And there's like all of these crazy ass stunts that you see them pull off. Like these incredible fucking spinning fucking kicks and shit. Like it's really fucking fun mm-hmm. to watch. Uh, even if like you don't really like the movies themselves, the fucking if look up the action. Just the choreography. The, 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 the fight, the fight choreography. choreography is fucking super fun. And it has its own rhythm that you don't really like pick up in any other Okay, uh, that's movies. cool. Um, anyway. Let's talk about this Michael J. White, Michael J. White video because I thought this was so interesting. Mm-hmm. Also, something you said reminded me of something else. So remind me to talk about the Shang-Chi movie after this. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So there was basically two things I thought that were really interesting about the video. And the first one was him talking about what it's like to work with Christopher Nolan and how chill it is. Yes. I literally wrote down a quote. They said how chill was, or they were like, what was it like working with Christopher Nolan? And he was kept saying that Christopher Nolan would be like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. What do you think? Yeah. Of like things that seem like the t- an auteur type, right? Yeah. Chris Nolan is an auteur type. Yeah. You would think that he would have the answers to every little thing. Because exactly. that's what you hear tons a- about these kinds mm-hmm. of directors. Every little detail, you know. I think he, one of his questions was like, uh, how long have we been in this room? Yeah. Like me and my guys, how long have we been holed up here? And he was yeah. like, I don't know. I didn't think about yeah. it. What do you I, think? And, and another one was like, well, a lot of these guys have different accents than me. I obviously yeah. have an American accent. he was like, do you want accent. me to do an accent? Yeah. And he, I, I, what do you, what what do you think? think? <laughs> that's kind of crazy, so right? interesting to me. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I never would have guessed that that's what working with Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. was like. Not yeah. that he doesn't seem like a nice dude or anything, but he just, the type of filmmaker mm-hmm. he is, you'd think he was a guy with all the answers. Yeah, and that's one thing that's like super interesting about the different like uh, directing styles. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear about David Fincher, who's very detail-oriented, and you're detail going to do 30, 40 times yeah, exactly. to get it perfect. And then like there, there's someone like Christopher Nolan, who like is I don't know. just very laid back, like, okay, we're going to do this. Uh, Alex Garland is actually super similar mm-hmm. uh, in how he's like, yeah, like I don't, I, like people, he he always says like Americans are so obsessed with the idea of an auteur, you mm-hmm. know, like like he's like I'm not 
the only person here. Like for me, like you have, you have a bunch of talented people, you let them do their thing and then they have their own sort of hierarchies. Right. But like, I, I'm not going to sit there and micromanage people. I I think that's, that's the best way to me. Like, I think that obviously a, a genius can do the very, I'm in charge of everything thing yeah. and make a great movie because they're a genius. Mm-hmm. But I also think that working with that person could be grating. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Quentin Tarantino is probably fun to work with too. Yeah. Even though he probably has a little bit of that, um, hands on everything kind of deal. I also feel like he'd be very collaborative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that especially in movies, like there's such collaborative pieces of art that you need to involve everyone mm-hmm. in their, in their subjects. Like yeah. you need to have the actors involved in what they're bringing to their character. You need to have, the set designers involved. You need to have the caution, like everybody needs to have their own imprint on what they're experts in and what they're bringing to the table. I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was awesome to hear that Christopher Nolan is that chill. Like I was like, that's crazy. I would not have guessed that. Well, and and, and part of that, that genius is hiring the right people. Exactly. Yeah. Knowing who to work with. So like, uh, like in your will always work with uh, his cinematographer. mm -hmm. Uh, What's his name? I can't think of it. I can't either, and I feel bad about it. Yeah. Or like, doesn't Christopher Nolan work with Wally Pfister like all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or at least uh, he did until Wally Pfister made uh, the transcendent transcendence, the Johnny Depp movie about AI. Because yeah. Wally Pfister then started doing his Wally, own things. Wally Pfister was di- directed that movie, so so uh, now there he's was, trying to direct. I more? think it might have been Dunkirk. Dunkirk. <laughs> that uh, Wally Pfister didn't. Um, do the cinematography for there's gotcha. one movie that might have been Interstellar. I'm not sure. <clears throat> anyway, okay, cinematographer uh, Emmanuel Lubezki. That's the cinematographer's name that Inuyasha works with. At least on the oh, Revit, okay, on the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that dude's really good at what he does. But yeah, so like Hitchcock said, seventy five percent of directing is good casting. When you say Hitchcock, you mean Alfred, not Will Smith, right? Yes. Okay. Good. Yes. Um, so, uh, Hitchcock said 75% of directing is casting, right? Like, like having the right actors Mm -hmm. and, and, um, that like that, that's also with, you know, your crew as well, Mm -hmm. you know, bringing in the right crew, um, that, that knows what they're doing, but was also passionate enough to, uh, to have their own imprint, but also not be stepping on each other's toes. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I thought something that was really like, you're talking about having the right crew and everything. I watched, um, I think I've shouted it out before, the show Between the Sheets, mm-hmm. uh, which is on Critical Role's channel where they, uh, Brian Foster interviews people. They had on Sam Regal's wife. Uh, oh, what's her name? Kien something. Uh, let me get it right so I'm not being an asshole. Kien. Nope, that's the wrong letter, Kyle. Shit. I can't remember her name. Fuck. Anyway, she's a cinematographer, um, and she was talking about uh, like the the process of of her job, and I didn't I don't know a lot about it, so I thought it was really interesting. And she was talking about how she's different than other cinematographers in that she's very close to the actors on set. She tries really hard to figure out, you know, what they like, and and to try to, to do her best to create a relationship with them where they can trust her to be getting the best out of them with her camera work. I just thought that was really interesting. Um, and just the idea that like what you're talking about is having the right people and everyone being in sync in how you're doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's really interesting. Well, yeah, everybody, everybody being on the same page yeah. and understanding what they're making. Yeah. You know, like the, the stranger things, the creators of stranger things, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the Duffer, Duffer brothers, brothers, the Duffer brothers, 
screened uh like E.T. carried and, and like a few different 80s movies to get the vibe to the cast and crew. Yeah, to That's their really cast cool. and crew. Yeah. So that everybody was sort of on the same page, like being like, this hey, is what we're going for. This is an amalgamation of sort of all of these yeah. things. This is something that like you've you've kind of already seen before, but we we're giving it to you in a different way. Yeah, we're doing our own twist yeah. on it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Fresh take. Yeah. The other thing I thought that was really interesting about that Michael J. White video mm-hmm. was him talking about Heath, Heath Ledger, Ledger and the mm-hmm. perception of Heath Ledger. Yeah. Quote, it drives me up a wall, he said, about um, the way people talk about how he was consumed by the character, mm-hmm. which i that's all I've ever heard. I think Dog, that's... I, I, have I not talked to you about like how much that annoys me? About I how don't much, think so. No? I think that it's fucking irresponsible to to say that because it like it it discounts fucking like mental instability and yeah. like, and mental health. Yeah. Like people like to think like, Oh, he was consumed by this character. And it's just, it's like, it's not true. The the reason that like he, he would be even drawn to a character like that. You know what I mean? And the reason that he's an actor in the first place mm-hmm. is because that, you know, there might be something missing there already, you know, like the, 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 the idea that like, oh, he like tapped into some idea place, of, a, yeah. of a character and it, you know, it consumed him like it's, you know, like the devil. Like, I, yeah, just kind of whack. But that's you. That's all you hear about it. Yeah. Because of the timing of his, his death mm-hmm. and how great he was. Yeah. So I was really surprised to hear like his perception, his perspective, Michael J. White's perspective on it. Mm-hmm. And how he almost was like angry mm-hmm. at the fact that that's how people think of Heath Ledger. And he was like, he was talking about how on set he was like the nicest dude. And he would, he would, you know, they would cut and he would break completely out. He'd be in full makeup and mm-hmm. he would just be like, hey, what do you guys want to do for yeah. lunch? Like mm-hmm. he would just be super cool. Mm-hmm. I also thought it was really cool. He talked about like. But that also doesn't mean that like, like Heath Ledger was completely happy. You know? No. Well, obviously there was, you know, things going on with him. Um, because you, I mean, you hear about that shit all the time, yeah. you know, like how happy was, uh, Robin well, Williams, Robin Williams every, yeah. yeah. Every time you hang out with him, yeah. but like anybody that, you know, commits suicide or has a mental health issues, like how happy they are in a lot of, in a majority of situations. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, behind closed doors when they're fucking alone with their own thoughts, they, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> I really liked it. He talked about, um, they did like a full day of filming and they, I think the, the way he phrased it was like, this side of the room. So they basically were filming all of the gangsters not that were not Heath Ledger. Yes. And I think it's a scene with the pencil and yes. all that. And they basically spent an entire day filming everyone but Heath mm-hmm. Ledger. And he went through the full three, four hours of going into makeup and exactly. costume just to give them the best thing to play off of. Uh-huh. I thought that was so cool yeah. to hear about. And a lot of people like, I don't, maybe if you're not familiar with the filmmaking yeah. process, but like you, you might not grasp this really, but like, <clears throat> so you can shoot uh, like a scene over the course of multiple days, even weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'll, there are a lot of times uh, for uh, uh, the, the benefit of time or whatever, or I mean, specifically the, the, the actor's fucking sanity, yeah. you know, when you're shooting something of a character and you know you you don't see a, a second character sometimes that actor won't even be there yeah they'll just put up a fucking picture mm-hmm. um like and especially if that character is going through makeup they won't include that makeup or even like, if they are the there actor, yeah they're just there in sweatpants it, it, so i i, I just thought it was incredibly cool yeah. uh, to hear that from michael j white to uh grasp how hard fucking Heath Ledger 
worked, you know, yeah. his work ethic. And how much incredible. of like a team player he was. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, very selfless mm-hmm. performer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought that video was. Super I heard. Cool. Um, I I don't know who said this. It was some director who was talking about Leo DiCaprio, mm-hmm. and they said that the coolest thing about Leo was that he approached acting from like a filmmaker's point of view. That's interesting. Um, that like he was, uh, um, he 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 didn't act as much of like an actor as he did like a filmmaker. Hmm. Um, like he he understood the ins and outs of that process and like this i don't know i thought so like it's interesting but like like that is is a good example of that kind of thing you know like heath ledger knowing hey like if i put on my makeup and i sit here uh in completely full character Mm -hmm. i'm giving more to my actors and they're going to have more to play off of and it's going to end up being a better movie yeah um yeah, and and a majority and Michael J. White himself said, uh, "I wouldn't as, do it as someone that played Spawn." Fuck that. Yeah, that's what he said. Um, yeah, so like I, I just thought it was, uh, I thought very that was cool. Interesting. I was a really cool video. Mm-hmm. I love hearing just like cool stuff about Heath yeah. Ledger. Yeah. Love that dude. Um, all right, I wanted you to remind me of Shang Chi. I don't need you to because I remembered. Do you know what Shang Chi is? We've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. It's the Marvel movie about the martial artist character. Yeah. So I didn't know this, but they announced a director for it. Okay, who? Destin Daniel Cretton, director of Short Term Twelve. Okay, I think that's interesting. I never saw it. It's very good. Yeah, very good. Um, did you ever see The Glass Castle? No. He works with Brie Larson a lot. Is Brie Larson going to be in Shang Chi? <laughs> she could be. It could happen. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's it hasn't, done a, hasn't done a ton of stuff. Oh, look, another movie with Brie Larson coming out January 17th, 2020 is called Just Mercy, starring Brie Larson and Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx and Tim Blake Nelson and O'Shea Jackson Jr. Anyway, I just thought that was cool. Short Term 12 is a great movie. It's really fucking good. Brie Larson's amazing in it. Mm-hmm. And, but I, the thing I thought was interesting about it was that they didn't get a director who has like any action history, any, I thought, you know, go after the type of person who might direct, uh, the, uh, what's undisputed? You said they were yeah, called yeah, like undisputed. those types of movies for a movie mm-hmm. about a martial artist. I thought yeah. that might be the, the route they would go, but nope. Mm-hmm. They did what seems to be Marvel's thing now, which is get people who have made like one or two smaller budget, really good projects. Yeah. And give them more to play with. Seems to be their thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Taika Waititi falls into that. Uh, the the uh, the brothers. The, oh my god, two brothers. I keep my head is stuck with Duffer and Cohen right now, Russo? and they're the Russo. Thank you. They're the wrong brothers. The yeah. Russo brothers are the same thing. They were basically TV directors, right? And then they were like, "Hey, you want to make Captain America movie?" And they haven't looked back. Now they're making. All the Avengers films. So yeah, that seems to be their thing now. And I I wonder if, if it's because they feel like they can kind of balance letting that director have their voice and kind of controlling it a little bit. Because when they tried to go bigger, right? They tried to go Edgar Wright, it kind of splashed back on them a little mm-hmm. bit. It, they, there was a little bit too much tension. Yeah. You can't have anybody with too much fuck you money. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And I will say, I think Ant-Man probably would have been better as yeah, a singular yeah, film if, if Edgar Wright made it. Yeah. But I don't know what it would have taken away from the overall thing. And I, 
we'll never know. It's whatever their internal issues were. Because there's like a couple scenes in Ant Man where you're like, this was Edgar Wright, like mm-hmm. the, the the music playing in the briefcase brief kind of thing, like stuff like that. Yeah. So like, I stand by that Edgar Wright Ant Man would have been really fucking good. Yeah. But would have been cool. Ant Man's still a fun movie. Would have been cool. It's still a fun movie. And another like they got Peyton Reed who had made like I think like a horror movie or something before that like. Uh, who's the Doctor Strange guy? Another horror director, the Conjuring guy. Yeah, is yeah, that, they, that's, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what they do. They just get kind of small directors and give them way more toys. Yeah. Which I is like interesting. that uh, Michael J. White shit was really cool, though. Really interesting. Very like, interesting like, video. Like, he's a he's an interesting guy, but he's also worked with you know the fucking best of the best. Yep. So um, yep. that was fascinating. I was watching. Yeah, I was on YouTube a lot. I watched another YouTube video that's fucking blowing up right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got like seven million views. I don't know why That's I'm watching so much. Uh, and it was it came out like two weeks ago, but it's a video of Hosier, 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 right? Yeah, okay, Hosier. Oh, the one of them singing. Uh, take me, take me to church in like a subway or yeah, something. Yeah, it's in a yeah. subway, and it's uh, Hosier and his uh, Wait, I his band. Was, I thought that was really old. Huh? It, and it was put on YouTube two weeks ago. I feel like I've. I literally yeah, I just looked at it today. Yeah. Maybe I mean maybe. Like it's from another channel or something. I don't know. Like, like I, I saw that on YouTube and I was like, I feel like I've seen that like a long time ago. The one that like YouTube's pushing right yeah. now that uh, that has like seven million mm-hmm. views uh, was released like two weeks yeah. ago, and I was like, oh shit. Yeah, and I've seen like other things. Like it's like vocal it's coach reacting to Hozier, mm-hmm. and I'm yeah. like, yeah. one, I don't care about that video. But vocal coach reacting to Hozier, I don't care. I, wa- I watch some of those too. I don't care. I watch some of those too. It's just them being like, oh my God, so good. No, but I wanted to go into this. Um, like, because the re after watching that video, I watched that video like fucking six times in a row. I, I loved that video. It was just super impressive to me. I don't know if you've seen it. Nope, I haven't watched it. Um, fucking A, his voice is fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. The people that he works with are also super, um, super talented because like I, it seems like what he does is so he had background singers during this subway performance, but these background singers also weren't just singing. He had somebody that's on the keyboard. Mm-hmm. That's also singing. Uh, and like, I think someone had like, isn't a, it is the band? Uh, They're a band. Exactly. Isn't it just his band? Yeah. The band. Yeah. Um, well, like I look up, I looked up the, the tiny desk. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe they, that's they, what I've seen. They did uh, they did a tiny desk uh, take me to church yep. performance, which yep. not as good. Mm, interesting. Interestingly enough, like it just it it didn't have the same like gravitas mm-hmm. that the subway performance had. Um, but it's all of the same people playing keyboard uh, and and doing vocals as well, backup vocals. But <clears throat> I was uh, it led me into like the, the rabbit hole YouTube of the le- hole. You of, fell down a YouTube hole. Well, not a YouTube hole, but oh. like the rabbit hole of the lyrics of the song itself. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and like trying to interpret them. Mm-hmm. And like, this is something that I've, I've thought about for a while as far as like the interpretation of music. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like I, there was a, there was a big scandal with that song when it was popular. Uh, among the church communities right because it's very anti-religious yeah, very it's very anti-religious, anti-religious. um and i the, remember that song came on the radio and my mom changed the channel but the reason that the song blew it blew up itself is because of the music video oh yeah. the music video um <clears throat> like uh hosier was a struggling artist at mm-hmm. the time uh but the music video was set in like russia or something like that and it was basically like a 
it showed this like anti-religious message and like the, the anti-gay, uh, Oppression, in, basically, in Russia, yeah, uh, in Russia. But like, there it showed guys kissing and basically like, like trying to run away from mm-hmm. this oppression and shit. Um, it was a really interesting video. Um, but so when I first heard "Take Me to Church," and this happens with to me with a lot of music, just because I'm like I'm not crazy educated and I also don't have a lot of like I'm not very like super active when I listen to lyrics uh, of songs so there's a lot of times where it'll take me fucking years to really pick up what a song is about you have superstitions (laughs) (laughs) um but like I will be and I'll be straight up wrong and even when I'm right like I don't have faith that I'm right yeah so like I knew like the first time that I heard this song I was like oh this song's about sex so the song's about fucking um and like now, like revisiting it, like going into like right before I fucking went into genius, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, fucking, I was like, I was like, oh, it's, but it's what? What is it actually about? Mm-hmm. It's not actually about fucking. And then I look it up, and then Hoster's like, no, it's about sex. Yeah, for sure, it's about <laughs> sex. Um, and it, and about like the oppression that comes from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it, I, I wanted to talk about interpretation. Uh, the interpretation of music and lead to, to other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in high school, in one of my English classes, I had a pretty strict English teacher. I won't say her name. Start with a V? Huh? Did it start with a V? No. Oh. So, hmm. uh, this teacher, hmm. uh, this teacher told everyone in the class, everything that we're going to be reading has a specific intention. Mm. It has a specific intention. You can, it is only to be interpreted one way. And (laughs) okay. That reaction that, that you're having right now is Mm -hmm. the one that I had while I was sitting in class and I raised my hand. I was like, I was like, so there's only one interpretation. And if we don't interpret it that way, then we're We're wrong. wrong. Yeah. And she says, yes. And I was like, "Mm." okay. And a lot of people actually really like this teacher too. Um, like, our fellow students and shit, but, uh, hello, fellow children. Uh, she was also someone who sort of operated in teaching through fear. Um, I know that sounds kind of ridiculous. And I think that like outside of the class, she was actually a really good person, but as a teacher, she was very like, I will scare you into, uh, getting an A in this class. But, just type the name for me. No, you, I'm not no, going to do that. Because I feel like I know who it is, but I just have their name wrong. We went to high school together. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this, this does nothing. Okay, yeah, I just had the name wrong. Yeah. Yep, okay. Yep. No, now that's for my peace of mind. Okay. That's so I don't go All nuts. Right. All right. So, uh, I, I struggled through that class. Yeah. For a lot that of reasons, AP t- it wasn't that was only an her. AP English. It, was, uh, it might have been, right? I'm not going to say whether it was or not. Well, no, because when you take those kinds of classes, there's more demanded of you as a student. True, true. Yeah, yeah I mean, because it's basically a college course. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> a, I mean, it, it, like a lot of my issues in that class wasn't just from her. I mean, it, like mm-hmm. I was kind of spoiled and fucking thought that I was smarter than I was. Oh, yeah. um, but I. I I disagreed with that notion and I still disagree with it today. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and there's a, I remember even back in the day, 
uh, I was, uh, talking, uh, to, uh, <laughs> one of, one of the guys that we played football with. Okay. Um, but, uh, I was talking to him about how whack that idea was. Mm-hmm. And he was like, have you ever seen the, the South Park episode of Scrody McBooger Balls? <laughs> Do you know this episode? No, but that's just, okay. That's just funny. For those, for for you, and for those that don't know, uh, the the episode, the tale of Scrody McBoogerballs. It is uh, a South Park episode about the kids reading, uh, uh, not to kill a mockingbird. Fuck, um, uh, the Catcher in the Rye. Okay. Because the Catcher in the Rye was in real life as well as in South Park was something that was banned from school Oh, districts, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, right. That's right. Yeah. And they basically lifted the ban in order for the school to read it. And the kids got all fucking hype and excited and everything because they were like, we get to read the banned book. You like, know, it's supposed to be so bad. Like not liking it or something. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. So basically yeah. Cartman's like, you're telling me that this book was banned and it also led to uh, the, the murder of the king of hippies? Because <laughs> the, the person that killed John Lennon was yeah. uh, apparently inspired um, yeah. by the catcher in the run. Okay. And Cartman's like, can we read this right now, please? Um, but they end up reading the book and they're like incredibly disappointed yeah. with how it went. And like yeah. the, the fact that like they're like, it's just this one fucking kid complaining about how phony everybody mm-hmm. is. It's lame as shit. So what they do is they write the most fucked up book <laughs> of all time called The Tale of Scrody McBoogerballs. <laughs> right. And, uh, with and uh, th- their sole intention is to gross out and mm-hmm. disgust and just be as fucked up as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they hide this book in one of their sock drawers, and one of the moms finds it, and the mom reads it and throws up throughout the entire thing, and then she takes it to Stan, right, mm-hmm. to Stan Marsh. Uh, or not, not stand to, to Randy, to the dad. Oh, right? okay. okay. Uh, she takes it to, to Randy and is like, Randy, you have to read this. This is the best book of all time. <laughs> She's like, it's disgusting and gross and so visceral. And the <laughs> characterization is so, so what ends up happening is all of the parents start passing reading this around. book, passing it around, throwing up while they're reading it. They, they end up, uh, uh, getting the boys together and the boys are like, Oh no, we're getting in trouble. We're just going to say that butters wrote the whole thing. <laughs> uh, so, but like, they're like butters, you know, you know that you, you during, while you were sleepwalking, you wrote this book, right? <laughs> and butters like, Oh, I, I, I didn't know that I did yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. I, I guess, Oh no, my parents are going to be so mad. Uh, and so they all get together. Right. And fucking, uh, they, uh, all the kids are like, no butters did it. And they're like, Butters, this is one You're of the greatest genius. books of all time. He's like, oh, well, I just, I, I didn't know that I did it. Yeah. Really. Um, <coughs> uh, and fucking, they end up publishing this book and it gets like fucking, uh, it's a worldwide phenomenon. Mm-hmm. People love it. Throwing up, uh, there, it's in like 16 different languages and there, there, there's, there's shots of fucking Chinese people that are reading it and then throwing up while they're doing it. Um, but, it, it gets to this point where uh, 
the the kids are so pissed off mm-hmm. that they're not, they're getting, not getting credit, credit. Yeah. Uh, that they try to go to the Supreme Court to get this book banned. <laughs> and the Supreme Court is telling them, like, look, I, I think you just don't understand the message behind this book. <laughs> the, the Supreme Court, like the 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 Republicans, the Democrats are also are, are, are disagreeing with each other. Like, like, oh, no, this is the most left wing book. Oh, you obviously didn't read it. You didn't mm-hmm. interpret it the right mm-hmm. way. And uh, they're and all of the kids are like, look. Could it just be possible that the author of this book was just trying to be as fucked up as possible? And they were like, oh, well, you obviously don't know anything. Yeah. Um, no, but I, like it was it was a fucking brilliant uh, uh, parody of like uh, like interpretation mm-hmm. and, and how people look at things and like the the <clears throat> the the like like the inherent like uh, the motivation to try and assign meaning to something that may may or may not have it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like there's a, I'm not sure if it's true or not. Um, I I looked it up uh, before this, but there's in a, in a book that a guy wrote about the Beatles and John Lennon. Um, Apparently there was a a story about John Lennon writing the, the, the song, I am a walrus. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, or I am the walrus. Um, Do you know this song? Yeah, uh, t- like, but basically the the chorus goes, "I am the Eggman, you are the Eggman, uh, I am the Walrus, goo goo kachu, goo goo kachu." That's the, yeah, that's the uh, that's the chorus. It's basically nonsense, yeah. right? Um, but apparently it was John Lennon uh, responding to uh, a story of like his former school, like basically teaching uh, the music and like in trying to interpret uh, the music of the Beatles and what they're trying to say and everything. Mm-hmm. So he was like, let them fucking figure this one yeah. out. So we put out, I'm also, Morris. I'm pretty sure the Beatles were on acid a lot. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also I, I tried to find a, an interview of Freddie Mercury talking about this. And I, I, I couldn't really find it. Uh, <clears throat> I think I watched it in high school, but it was Freddie Mercury talking about Bohemian Rhapsody mm-hmm. and how like the interpretation of music mm-hmm. and how he was just like, I think that it's for everyone else to interpret. I don't think that it's, you know, th- like what I say kind of doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Which we kind of talked about that a little bit last week. Yeah. Did we? I think so. I think it was last week. The idea of like once you release the art into the world, it's not just yours anymore to decide what it means. Yeah, yeah. Max Landis talks about that mm-hmm. uh, with Chronicle. Yep. Because there's a specific. I mean, we're not going to spoil Chronicle here. Um, love Chronicle. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it too, obviously. But uh, there's a specific plot point in Chronicle where there is like uh, there's debate over whether or not a certain character did a certain thing. Yep. And Max Lanus has come out and been like, no, like it's not that. Yeah. Like, but, I didn't mean it that way. But he also, but, but he also said like, you guys aren't wrong. Yeah. Like it's no longer mine anymore. I love the fact that people are taking their own interpretations mm-hmm. of it. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's something that I, I thought a lot about. And I think that it's, uh, I don't know. I think it's like, it's tough for me to interpret things. I don't know why. I feel like a majority of like, Majority of the, the shit that I listen to, especially with like music, interpreting interpreting lyrics, like I'm just like I feel like I'm wrong 100 percent of the time. I mean, I just At really wonder what Mobamba is about. Hmm? That's what I wonder. Uh like I think I've it's about got, existentialism. I've got hoes. Colin, I think. See, 
I think that Sheck West is an absurdist. Yeah. And uh, I believe that he's, you know, questioning the, the existence of life. Uh, he's but actually just, similar to Albert Camus. In, it's the uh, fact that, that they're calling that really gets me, right? What does that mean? That's why I stick to the dumb shit, dude. <laughs> you don't got to think about it. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, I don't really know. I don't, I don't have many thoughts on the subject, I don't think. On the interpretation of it's art? Just, you, you, you take what you take from it. It's kind of like we were talking about in our spoiler episode about the end of True Detective Season 3. Yeah. What you take from that final shot is, is completely up to yeah, you. Yeah, that's why we were talking about yeah, it. Yeah, and there's no like right or wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could be wrong. Like You could just be blatantly wrong. Like You could be like, that means there's aliens. Well, but a lot of people would say, like, oh, well, like the, uh, the author's intention is this, therefore that is the... The only way you the, can know that is if the author has come out and said it. Exactly. But like, I would even disagree with that. Like, I don't even think just because the author says, oh, it's this, like that it's necessarily the right thing. You know, like, yeah, sure. Like there is that, like that, you know, uh, the message from God theory, you know, that like you're getting it straight from the source. Therefore, how, what would, uh, why would anything else be different? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But like Max Landis said, like, no, I wrote it with the intention of this, but it's no longer mine mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. Like, I think, also can, a, I think there can be pushback on there's that. There's also idea. a, a similar... It's also a movie, so it's a little bit different than like a book. Okay. Because like we were talking about how movies are so collaborative. So mm. a big part of that coming across the way it did in Chronicle is probably uh, a lot on... on uh, Dane DeHaan? No, the uh, director. Uh, Josh, Josh Trank. Josh Trank. Mm-hmm. Um, like the way that they filmed it made it a little bit more questionable what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, maybe if it had been in a novel, it would have been more explicit. Yeah. Cause you would have been inside the character's heads and you would have known what was happening. Mm. Um, so I don't know. Like, I feel like if, yeah, you know, it, it, this is something that's been sort of bothering me a little bit lately. JK Rowling comes out and says things about the, the world, the wizarding world sometimes. Right. And right. people have been freaking out about it being like, she needs to shut up. She needs to, she needs to stop. She needs to, you know, just stick to writing and stop just, and they'll say things that like, she needs just to stop saying things uh, without being asked. But she usually is answering reporters' questions is the thing. People just take these things completely out of context of what they'll see a quote on Twitter and think that she just was like woke up in the morning and was like, I'm going to tell you how wizards got rid of shit. Like, wh- what's going on? But it's like, if you know, if J.K. Rowling tells me something about the wizarding world and how it works, that I believe that's, that's yeah. true to me. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. Interpretation is a little different than that because it's not like about how things work. It's about what things mean. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. But that stuff with her has been, it drives me bonk. Like the amount of anger that people have towards her. The most recent one is because... <clears throat> super she, similar to like George Lucas. <clears throat> she was quoted as saying that Dumbledore and Grindelwald had an intense sexual relationship. That mm-hmm. was the quote. But it was pulled from a longer interview yeah. where someone literally asked her like, what was the extent of their relationship? Yeah. And she just answered them. Yeah. And then people got mad at her, and they were like, it doesn't mean anything until you put it in the books or the movies. One, the, there's three movies left in this series. They're going to dig into it. Yeah. I have no doubt about that. Two, it's been implied already. Like, I get, like, the idea of being, like, I want, if, if you are a minority person and you want to see your lifestyle or your you know the thing that you relate to be uh portrayed in media i get that i understand it but 
I don't think that they've done anything <clears throat> in the movies or in the books. Uh, like, if Grindelwald was a woman, I'm, I don't think things would have been any different than they have been so far. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I don't think that they've been hiding the fact that they clearly were in love with each other. Like, that seems super obvious to me when I read the books or when I watch the movies. Okay. But I don't know. Maybe... Do you feel like like you're... The knowledge that you have now, it's kind of like... Clouding it, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's it's, it's leading you down... Uh, uh, it, like, it's like a bias, you know? Like, yeah, it like, might be. You know, once you, now that you're but rereading I definitely it, you're think like, in oh, the, in th- the, this, that's why. Like, in the, especially in the most recent movie, it seems really obvious mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. It's like they do those flashback things mm-hmm. with them, like, longingly staring mm-hmm. at each other. Like, that is enough in a regular TV show or movie to create a ship yeah. amongst fan, like just one longing glance. Mm-hmm. If that's enough for you to make up something that isn't in a character at all, like for example, Voltron fans, if like, <clears throat> if, if someone like making a joke about one character is enough for you to think that they're gaily, they're, they're, they're gay and in love with each other when they're not, it's just not what the character... There's literally been no evidence to that between these specific characters. If that's enough for you to make that your thing that you buy into, then what's happened with Grindelwald and Dumbledore is more than enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, it, 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 the, and the idea that, like, uh, if it's not in the <clears throat> books or the movies, then it doesn't exist is a kind of ridiculous thing, uh, especially for Harry Potter, because... One of the funnest things about Harry Potter is the fucking the 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 depth of the world. Exactly the yeah. the, the 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 breadth the the length the length of the world. Width. <laughs> and like a lot of people, this they, they subscribe to the idea that like she just makes it up. She's like, oh no, she put that in after. She said afterward that Dumbledore is gay. <sighs> I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't really understand. Yeah, it's and like even to the people that got mad when they casted an African American girl as Hermione in the Cursed Child, which I don't want to talk about the Cursed Child, but. Anyway, and she came out and said it's fine. She was never strictly described as white in the books, mm-hmm. which is technically true. Technically, she literally like pasted the description of Hermione: bushy hair, big teeth, basically how she's described. Um, but like that sort of leans into the interpretation thing, right? Like being, you can be a little bit more loose with the interpretations of things, but doing stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, that that been bothering me lately. That it seems to be like you know how the 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 internet circle jerk always comes back around. It's back it's, exactly. It's, it's currently around on J.K. Rowling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, like there's a there's a and it's dumb. Like well, like Reddit. I feel like the the function of Reddit, right, and the the. The the kind of medium it is mm-hmm. kind of. It's not just that. Reddit, though. I'm talking about. Like, I, I would everything. agree, but I think it's, Reddit's it's like, a good example. It's of it. way more toxic on Twitter towards her than it is on Reddit. Yeah. Oh yeah. But like, but a lot of of things like that because it's absolutely it exists on Reddit. Oh yeah, for sure. Right now, there's a, a a fucking witch hunt against Rachel Nichols because really yeah. There's a witch hunt against Rachel Nichols right now because she said on the jump that she had. They were talking about Clay Thompson uh-huh. and him being uh, an underrated defender uh-huh. and. The fact that like he had never made an all NBA. NBA defensive team. He hasn't. He hasn't. Whoa! Right? I would it's not crazy. Have guessed that. <clears throat> but uh, she said like, no, like I voted for him. She's only had two years where she's been able to vote mm-hmm. um, for uh, all NBA teams, and she hasn't voted for Clay Thompson. But she said twice during the jump that she did, and people are like, she's lying, fucking like. There's just a huge, like, there's a fucking post on RNBA right now mm. that has over 3,000 upvotes 
of just these fucking complete idiots being like, like let's fucking hunt her attack down. her. Let's yeah. attack her for fucking for lying. All those clay she stands. She could dude. literally just be mistaken. Yeah, like, she might have just for, yeah forgotten. I, I don't like, think that people fucking give enough credit to us. You know, us. There is a, probably a thousand things that you could fucking pick out about the things that I say or you say oh, yeah. during because we put out fucking two to three hours of content a week of just us fucking talking. Like, there's gonna be some shit that is complete bullshit. Yeah. That like stuff that I look back on, I'm like, why the fuck did I say that? <laughs> yeah, like me not knowing what. Why I, the fuck did I say me not knowing? Seventy Sixers played Robert Covington at the two guard. Yeah. Why did I ever say that? It's or like me true. not knowing what a llama is. Yeah. <laughs> like like you could just be mistaken. The fucking like the fact that like we're supposed to be computers and like yeah. uh, you know if well, if we say something that like we're mistaken <clears throat> about uh, you know on camera or yeah. whatever th- that we're like intentionally lying. And it's kind of especially yeah. if like okay she lied about fucking voting for, you know, if it was absolutely intentional, like if yeah. she was trying to get away with something, you know, uh, even though all of that shit's public well, record. Even then, right. Part of her career is having good relationships with all the players. Yeah. So she doesn't want to publicly present herself of being like, she doesn't think that Clay Thompson is a great defender. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's even if that's what she was doing, that's probably where it came from. You know what I mean? Yeah. She um, wasn't like just trying to like be a liar. Well, I I just don't think that there's any malicious yeah. intent. Yeah, exactly. And people are like trying to like say that like uh, like like oh I knew that fucking Rachel Nichols was a piece of shit from the jump. Ha, good one. You're real funny. Yeah, that's fucking. Rachel Nichols stupid. is damn good at her job. That's yeah. what I think. Yeah, I think she's really good at her job. <clears throat> yeah, that's like the people just hate ESPN voraciously. Yeah. That's my that's my dictionary word of the day right there. Voraciously hate ESPN. Yeah. And it's so over the top. Like mm-hmm. it's like you need to chill the fuck out. They're mm-hmm. like, I miss back when I was a kid, when all ESPN was was highlights and real analysis. Okay. I feel like a lot of that is just bullshit though. Well, I think it's always been ESPN has always been the way it is now, but now you're older and you understand what's happening. Yeah. Like, when you were a kid, you didn't pay attention to the 10 minutes in between the highlights yeah. to figure out we were just that like, oh, these they are were experts. just making pop culture references and yeah. being funny and giving their opinions on things. Yeah. You just didn't, you didn't process it. Yeah. It's always been like that. Like, it might be... I, I Stuart still, Scott did the same stuff Scott Van Pelt does, and they're both amazing at what they do. But, the, but the, I would say that there is <clears> more <throat> bullshit, though. You know, like, the fact, like, I, do you think that Skip Bayless would, would exist? I in- No, I will definitely... Adhere, adhere to the, the idea that there is more bullshit now. Yeah. I think that the, the, the hot take culture is real. Right. But it's because people click on it. Yeah. It's our own damn fault. And I think, I think that it's overblown too. Yeah. Well, and a, a lot of people will click on it just to talk shit about it. Yeah. But attention is attention. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you just Nielsen ratings it, don't fucking like, like weed out like all, all of the negative fuck, attention. Fuck Nielsen ratings, first right. of all. It's a stupid process. Yeah. Second of all, like... <clears throat> I don't watch first take because I don't like it. Mm-hmm. If everyone who didn't actually like the people who say they don't like first take, but actually thrive on it, they're the problem. You know what I mean? Like there's, they're the ones going like, I fucking hate first take and I hate Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. And like- I hate the, the hot takes, but you keep watching it and talking yeah. about it and mm-hmm. sharing things from it. Yeah. That keeps it alive. Yeah. You're That's feeding the, off. You're the- feeding it. Yeah. yeah. Drives me nuts. <sighs> Just ignore it. If you don't like something, just ignore it. Mm-hmm. It's like the fact or that people admit can't, that you, that it's a guilty pleasure. Yeah, 
Like the fact that you know? people can't wrap their heads around the fact that not everything that exists in the world needs to adhere to their tastes, tastes and ideals mm -hmm. drives me bananas. Mm -hmm. If you don't like something, just ignore it. Yeah. If you like, if you love watching ESPN's happy hour, but you hate uh, Pablo Torre, just don't watch High Noon. Mm -hmm. Watch the other shows. It's fine. There's so much stuff. There's other sports channels. Mm -hmm. There's podcasts. There is an endless amount of stuff mm -hmm. for you to find. Just find the stuff you like yeah. and like it. Drives me crazy. Yeah, people get nuts. You want to talk about any sports stuff real quick? Do you have any sports stuff? I, just, I don't. I thought there's a couple UFC things. Oh, okay. One, we saw that knockout from last night. We didn't watch the fights last night, but we saw that highlight. Him knocking out Wonder Boy. First time Wonder Boy's ever been knocked ever out. Ever been knocked out. That's mm -hmm. Anthony Pettis' first knockout since like 2013. Which is surprising. He moved back up mm -hmm. to 70. Yeah. The weight cuts are real, man. Mm -hmm. I wonder if he'll stay there. I, I seems have to watch that. It seems reasonable. He looked pretty this. bloody. It, it, like yeah. that fight was probably pretty back and forth. Anthony Pettis looked pretty pretty messed up, but that was a sweet knockout. And it's also fucking Wonder Boy. You know? yeah, you can't yeah, really exactly. fault Anthony Pettis. Yeah, Wonder Boy's gonna. He, he might have been fighting a, a great fight and still been getting clipped by yeah. Wonder by Boy. His, Wonder Boy's feet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that is just this tight knockout. But I wanted to talk about the TJ Dillashaw thing. Okay. Yeah. So TJ popped potentially, I guess. That they're not done with the science of it yet. We don't know how the science works. We don't know the process. So we can't we're not we're not experts on uh you know sampling and stuff like that. Uh but he did an interesting thing and he got out ahead of it. He basically came out and said Something popped up on one of my tests before the last fight. Uh, I am going to relinquish my title, and we're going to deal. Me and my team are going to deal with this, you know, as more information comes. But basically, punished himself before anyone else could, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, I found it kind of weird. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I, well, I, I thought at first I thought it was because it happened, and I was like, that's a class move of him, you know. If he did something wrong and he got caught and then he gave up the thing. But the fact that that's not even done with the science is so weird. Well, and the fact that, that he could be exonerated or whatever, right? And still like, well, usually what ends up happening as, is even if you do it by accident, they still give you like six months. Yeah. Retroactively, which yeah. I find like it's always retroactive. It's yeah. always retroactive to when you took the test, uh -huh. which if it wasn't would be awful. If yeah, you think it, about it, it would be, but like, why not just make the. Just say shorter, how much time you know? is left. Yeah. yeah. Just be like, you have this much left on your sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it almost makes me more likely to believe him that if it was something that he did it by accident, you know, it was a tainted supplement or something, which seems to happen so often. And I'm not the type of person. It I'm does kind of. I'm not a conspiracy. Cons conspirat I don't subscribe. Conspiracy theorist? I don't subscribe to conspiracy uh -huh. very often. I don't sit around and go, you know, I don't immediately believe that anyone who says they took a tainted supplement or something like that is lying. I, 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 I prefer to take people for their word until they prove to me that they can't be taken for their word. You know what I mean? 
So if, you know, if this comes through and then TJ is like, you know, basically what he said was they're going to look into everything and to see where this came from, implying that they think it was probably a tainted supplement. I'm not going to be like, well, TJ's a cheater. I think TJ took steroids, uh, blah, blah, blah. For the, for the most part, because if you're still taking steroids on purpose in the UFC, you're an idiot. You're so dumb. They're so strict about it now. Like, it's crazy. You're going to get caught. People get caught for not doing it on purpose all the time. Yeah. You're going to get caught if you're doing it on purpose. Especially because they have it now where they can, they, you can't even, like, they catch you microdosing and everything now. There's, they've closed the loopholes, it seems. But, like, I feel like him doing this makes me even more likely to believe him when the final facts come out. It makes out. you uh, give him the benefit of yeah, the doubt. Yeah, benefit of the doubt. I mean, <clears throat> like, he probably, he probably took some creatine or something that had something in it. Right something he's allowed to take that was traced with something else. Cause it all gets cooked up in this. It's you know, the way it works is so crazy, but yeah, it's, it's a bummer. It's always a bummer. Like when this happens to the, to the higher end fighters, do you feel like this is to the benefit of the sport being so Strict aggressive over steroid use? Yeah. I think in the long run, yes. I think they almost have to retrain their workforce. It's kind of what it's like. It's like when a factory, upgrades and they kind of you know how they talk about how factories lose jobs because right. the, the the jobs on the line get lost because they bring in machines that do the right. jobs it's almost like they brought in machines to do the jobs yeah and you have to retrain the workforce yeah to like use the machines rather than build the actual car yeah, yeah like when you have an increase in technology and exactly. you, know, you get growing pains why are you looking at the camera after you say that are you quoting something but, no because that's what's happening with us Oh, wow. <laughs> right over my head. Wow. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, uh, I kind of think it's like that. I, I kind of feel like in the long term, in terms of integrity of sport, it's better. But do you Also, feel- because was it on the show we talked about this recently? The sort of the old purist idea of like boxing being more, uh, I don't know what the right word is, like honorable than MMA sort of. And this idea that all MMA is, is brawling and, and senseless violence. Whereas boxing is an art form Mm -hmm. and a true sport. Like it, and it's obviously we don't agree with that, but I think that this in the long term will sort of lead towards those people having to look at the sport a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I, Mm -hmm. I, I, I agree with you. Like it definitely does aid in uh, uh, sort of changing the the philosophies of the of, the, of those who and think the, that it's just a, that it's human that it's human cockfighting. Yeah, you know, and that the the impl- the implementation of uh, like rules like uh, what has what USADA has done, as well as like having gloves instead of not having gloves. Yep. Which I'm saying like there's Joe Rogan believes that they shouldn't have gloves. Yeah, they shouldn't, and they should fight on a football field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Just like, there's a huge part of me that's like, if everyone just did everything, like, like, like if, like, if you just had no rules at all, I like, but, how, I, but I think that also goes, it's, it's like rules in football. You have to protect your own athletes from themselves. That's where, where it gets weird, right? Mm-hmm. Cause steroids aren't good for you. I think it depends, right? I'm not an expert. I don't know. 
I mean, I watched a, a documentary called Bigger, Faster, Stronger, which was pretty interesting, but mm-hmm. it like sort of uh, went into the, uh, the demonization of steroids, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, like, obviously like it's easy for you to think, oh, uh, you know, steroids not allowed in big sport, therefore steroids equal bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, it's, a, like, it's, it's, it's like actors use them all the time, like <clears throat> as a part of getting big for roles, like there's no way that Ben Affleck wasn't on steroids to get as big as he was for Batman. Well, like, but like you can like there's doctors that uh, prescribe steroids well, for yeah, specific things. They can right? help you with different health issues mm-hmm. too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm not a, a doctor, so but I'm talking about stuff, people but. who are in perfectly good health, professional athletes, taking a bunch of steroids. Mm-hmm. I think it like messes with your liver and shit like that. Like there's side effects there's, to yeah, it. Yeah, there's obviously side there's health side effects, and you side kind of have to protect athletes from themselves when it comes to getting the upper hand because athletes will go to whatever limits it takes yeah to keep being athletes right it's a job where you don't just come into work nine to five every day and come back you know you don't have hr you know and all that stuff you if you're not if you don't cut it you get cut mm-hmm. so you, they look for anything they can to keep up and is that the the line is that the line of is like, steroids the line? Is steroids the line? I mean, because like you're talking about protecting well, an think, athlete from themselves, uh, right? Yes, that's Say part if, of it. But I also think that just in terms of like to me, a UFC with if I knew everyone was on steroids, it wouldn't be the same. Just that's not wholly you. You know because what I mean? There's another thing that like uh, you know is I would say just as bad. The cutting of weight. Yeah, weight cutting. Which is completely legal. Yeah. Um, there's, But is also something that is having a push to, if not get rid of, to limit. Mm-hmm. Having uh, like legal weights for you for each person individually to fight at based on their body composition mm-hmm. and what is healthy for them, which mm-hmm. I think they should implement that shit. I, I agree. I would advocate that. I think that it does that, that thing of protecting fighters from themselves. Mm-hmm. But I think it also... Um, sort of ensures like I think that there's a business side of it too that mm-hmm. it ensures specific fights into happening you know mm-hmm. like there's a lot of because of the the nature of the UFC mm-hmm. and of MMA like there's a lot of things that can go down that can prevent a fight from happening mm-hmm. probably the biggest one is injury injury right? or missing weight but another one missing weight and the the health conditions the the, the negative health effects yeah sometimes people will cut weight Mm-hmm. They'll cut to make weight the day before, mm-hmm. and it's such an unhealthy weight cut that they're then taken to the hospital, exactly to recover, to miss and they fight. miss the fight. It's, Khabib is a, a yeah. perfect example of that. Yep, um, you know that, that there's been it, at least it just happened two to Robert fights? Whitaker. I don't know if that was the result of a weight cut or if it was just a health I issue. I got hurt. I don't remember, but I it was. Got hurt. I don't remember, but it was something like literally the night before they were like he can't fight, he had to go to the hospital and have right. surgery. <clears throat> But yeah, because like that's something that they, they there, there is no regulations that that enforce you know mm-hmm. like you can only cut a certain amount of weight. Which I mean, there there's other organizations that have gone out and have served as examples of uh, you know of how to implement a process like that. Mm-hmm. Fucking they do that. They did that in high school wrestling. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, at the beginning of the season, you have to qualify for a weight. Exactly. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and between tournaments, they basically take down your weight. Mm-hmm. They, it goes into a system. I, don't, I forget what it what it was, what it was called. Um, but like, so I wrestled at 
160 and uh, like towards the middle of the year because like i went back and forth and i was like i want to wrestle 152 and then i was like i was like no i'm gonna wrestle 160 and then towards like the middle of the season i was like i want to go back to 152 and my coach was like all right you can do that but you can only wrestle 160 for a certain amount of time right but like you have to weigh in below 160 yeah you have to realize that so you can eventually get to 152. So you're going to be wrestling 160, but weighing in at 154. That way that you can uh, end up yeah. weighing in at 152 and wrestle at you 152. You have to show like a states. gradual progression to the weight you want exactly. to be at. Yeah. Exactly. Like, so there is, so they take your, the, the amount of fat content that you mm-hmm. have in your body, uh, at the beginning of the season. Um, and then they align that with every time that you weigh in for a tournament. And yeah, like you're only allowed to lose a mm-hmm. certain amount of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was a, it was a pretty good, it was a pretty good system. Now um, as, as a wrestler, why did you want to wrestle 52 over 60? What goes into the, thought it was too small. what's in, okay. That's what's in the, so my junior, year, the mentality of cutting weight, my junior year, uh, I wrestled 160, but it was out of the guy that, was uh one wrestling one fifty two was was a, was a stud a scene, was better yeah. well he he was a stud uh there was there was a good chance was that, that he, Max no uh Max wrestled above me oh it was Andy Beans sup Andy <laughs> probably not listening to this but whatever uh yeah Andy uh, wrestled one fifty two that year so I wrestled one sixty and there was for sure benefits of me wrestling one sixty versus one fifty two were you quicker uh as a, a smaller guy and I wasn't cutting weight mm-hmm. um in order to make one sixty yeah uh, so would, you you were fully healthy I don't think that the the being quicker was the biggest advantage. I think the biggest stamina? advantage is stamina. Yeah. Is it's conditioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there was guys that I was wrestling who at the beginning of the year, I was wrestling at 160 um, and was getting b- blown out by yeah. it. But the, but the rigors but of a full to, season. But once I got to uh, districts and regionals, mm-hmm. I was wrestling them. Uh, like there was one specific like time. Yeah. I wrestled this one guy, lost by 12 the first time that I oh, I, wow. I uh wrestled him at Flagler towards the beginning of the And then year. you beat him in I didn't beat him, oh. but I lost by one point. Wow. That's crazy. Uh but so it was just a lot closer, obviously, and I didn't beat him. I, it, it wasn't enough of uh, an advantage for me to take. And over. that's why you wanted to go back down to fifty two? Uh my senior year, uh, there's I mean there was a, a lot, lot went into your senior year. There was a lot of there's, things. There's going beef on. there, but um I, I mean not I don't beef. even necessarily beef. beef. The there's wrong a word, lot of there was a lot of drama and there yeah. was a lot of I mean that was the emergence of my fucking psychosis in mm-hmm. senior year me realizing how fucking crazy I was. <laughs> but no, I'm really wondering like, so the mentality of wanting to wrestle at a lower weight or fight for a fighter at a lower weight mm-hmm. is literally just to feel like you're, you're, you have a size advantage. You want to be of. bigger, far, faster and stronger than everybody yeah. else. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a way to ensure Which that is so is interesting because me, I grew up playing football, right? You want to be heavier. Mm-hmm. For depending, but that's on your, because there's there depending no on your cut, position. Right? There's no well, that's the thing. So like in Pop Warner, growing up, mm-hmm. there are weight limits, exactly. and then there's the older, lighter rule throughout Pop Warner, which is like if you're 13, you can play with the 11 and 12 year olds. If you get like you have to weigh like 20 pounds less than mm-hmm. them, because when you're that young, a year is actually a lot in terms of strength and yeah. sort of stuff like that. So I was almost always trying to be an older, lighter when I was in Pop Warner. And there was actually a year where I had to cut weight to be able to do it. Oh, okay. Yeah, we had um, we had a couple of those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, growing up, I mostly played like defensive line and mm-hmm. fullback and stuff like that. So I was always pretty big for my age. And then when I got to high school, uh, I played. Uh, I think I played 
freshman year I played Pop Warner one final year. Like our team stayed together for one final season. And then sophomore year, I think I played at, I want to say it was like 185 I played at. 180, 185. Junior year, basically, uh, it was the best shape I was ever in. I think I weighed 195 mm-hmm. and I was like in really good shape that year. Uh, I, I tested very well on coach Jenkins's little, little test thing. They did, they timed us in like the 40 and your three cone and your shuttle drill and then your bench, your squat and your power clean, right, right. your height and your weight. And they put it all in some sort of algorithm and they yeah. gave you a score and I had a really good score. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I think, because my shuttle time was so good. That was an amazing shuttle time. <laughs> Second best on the team. I don't know how I did it. <laughs> anyway, it was like, I was kind of small, though, for the positions I played. Like, I was a defensive end, and I was mm-hmm. kind of small. And then I tore my ACL junior. When I came back, I was way heavier. Mm-hmm. And partially because the coach was like, we need you to gain weight yeah. for to play tight end. So, like, I, I think I ended up playing at 215 senior year. So it's like weird fluctuation, but it's, it's, it's weird the difference in sports like that, how when you put a weight limit, it sort of changes the mentality to the reverse, where you want to uh, diminish yourself more to gain an advantage. It's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and like, and it's just, uh, it's a topic of debate as mm-hmm. far as like... Well, how much is too much? How much is too much? At like, what are the, what's the law of, you know, like, what are the diminishing returns that mm-hmm. you're getting? Yeah. When are you, too much weight? when are you giving mm-hmm. up too much of your stamina and your energy yeah. to gain size advantage basically? Yeah. 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 It's interesting. What if they just change the rule to you fight what you weigh? Like you have to. Would that work? So Ben Askren has talked about this, about the different, um, Promotions. He doesn't look like he cuts weight, huh? He doesn't look like he cuts weight. No, but he, I mean, he's he's pretty. Um, he's a, a huge advocate for people fighting at whatever their weight that's is. What I'm, that's he, what I mean. He, he that, seems like yeah. he's that kind of person. Um, he has talked about different promotions and how uh, basically like they'll like it. It seems like similar to what USADA does, mm-hmm. um, but like the, the uh, instead of it being drugs, it being your weight. Okay. Right, like constantly managing your weight, mm-hmm. and if you're, um, what you're expanding to, what you're, what you're getting down to, um, it's really interesting. And the uh, allowable loss, basically. Um, yeah, and I, I wonder, like all of these things, with with UFC being so linked to ESPN now, it's going to make it even bigger and probably more respectable of a sport to people who didn't respect it before. I wonder if that will affect them trying to put more of these sorts of limitations on things Mm -hmm. to try to protect their own fighters and to have a more uh, like integrity driven product. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Did you see that they're moving pay-per-views all to ESPN plus like permanently? Really? Yeah. Are they doing away with fight pass? I don't know. That's what, that's what you mean, right? Like they're going to take all of the the bigger UFC fights and then put them on on ESPN ESPN plus. Yeah. Before they were sick. Before it was like ESPN Plus was like the equivalent to the Fox sports cards. You know what I mean? Right. Or or like the big Fox cards. And then they would put like the pay-per-views would still be pay-per-view. Uh-huh. I think they are changing it to everything being ESPN Plus now, which is pretty cool. If you just subscribe to ESPN Plus. I, I kind of hope that because like UFC Fight Pass sucks, man. Yeah. I think that you it's You always bad. had the bummers with it. 
Like, I don't know if they're getting in, rid of in it, theory, Fight Pass because they might keep. I don't know if ESPN Plus has all of the things that Fight Pass has. I, it's also been a bit since I I yeah. had uh, ESPN or UFC Fight Pass. Yeah. But there was just a, a, my biggest issue was okay. This fight just happened, mm-hmm. right? I want to go watch this fight. Mm-hmm. You know, UFC 236, mm-hmm. right? That was John Jones. I right? think so. Yeah. If I wanted to go like onto UFC Fight Pass right now and watch John Jones, like I couldn't do it because it they would postpone putting yeah, it on they Fight would Pass wait, make you wait. for fucking months, which is so weird. Like it's stupid. It's a sport. Once it's over, put it up. You've lost the value of not having it, right? Yeah. Like it's cool. I get it. If you want to delay it a day, being like you, you can't see. Uh, the thing until the next day, if well, you don't buy the pay-per-view. Just the, the, the technical aspect yeah. of editing, making sure everything's put together, that the audio yep. is right. And maybe you it. want the product to be a little bit better than what you shot live. I fucking, that's, that's cool with me, you know, even if it takes a week, mm-hmm. you know, but the fact that like, I was trying to look up, you know, the guys, most recent fights, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, fucking Anderson Silva has a fight coming up. So yeah. I want to look up his last two fights and I can't do it. Yeah. I can't watch his last two fights, even though I have UFC Fight Pass, which is a product that I'm paying for for this reason, yeah. right? It's whack. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was. Yeah, I don't know if it's it, changed it led to me or if they not, still use it or not. It led to me not having it anymore. Yeah, so. you, got, you got rid of it. Yeah, I don't know if they've moved that kind of stuff to ESPN Plus. If they have a big backlog now of old UFC, that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Dude, ESPN Plus seems like a quality product. Yeah. Like, they have a lot of stuff on there. Mm-hmm. lot, like, just for. Live UFC events and detail, it seems like it's worth, I don't know what it is, like $8 a month or something? Mm-hmm. That seems worth it. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten it. I, ha- I don't know what its interface is like. I don't know what it, you know, the other stuff they provide is like. But just the quality of those things alone is worth the price of admission. Yeah. Plus, I think you can get, like, you can watch all their shows. Like, you can be like, oh, I, I missed the jump today. Go watch it on oh, you. I, th- I think so. Not positive, but I think. Yeah. I don't know if there's... I mean, like, obviously the tournament's going on. NCAA? Yeah. We've got our bracket challenge I, going. I've, I watched the second half of Murray State versus FSU yesterday. That was pretty out. much the only... Job played really well, though. Job played really well. Like, I didn't really get to see a lot of... Apparently, he just fucking started off hot. Had hit, mm-hmm. like, four threes in the beginning of the, in the, mm-hmm. beginning of the game. But he, in the second half, he just they just looked so fucking yeah. tired. He did a good job of solidifying himself as a top three pick. Like... If there was anyone going into the tournament that was like, I don't believe in John Morant until I see him against better competition. You've seen it. The kids got the goods. You know what I mean? Right. I just, I fucking. So he's supposed to be six foot three, right? Six foot four. Mm-hmm. Right. And the fact that Kobe White is six foot five, I don't <laughs> buy it. You I'm, just don't I'm buy it. You it. just don't believe it. Well, like we literally had a, a conversation for, for our listeners. Well, because I was asking you if you'd be cool with the Magic drafting Kobe White. Yeah. He seems like the type of player a- that one would fit John Hammond's ideal build and size and speed. I'd- but you were like, no, he's too small. And I was yeah. like, no, he's definitely tall. And you guessed that he was like 6'2". And I Googled it and I said he's 6'5". And you didn't, you I, still don't I believe don't it. I don't fucking buy it. <laughs> I don't buy that he's 6'5". Do you think they measure to the top of his afro? <laughs> they must. They fucking must. Because I don't. I don't buy that he's six five. When mm-hmm. I see him play, I'm like, this guy is not bigger than De- De'Aaron Fox. He's not. Do you think he's the same size as De'Aaron Fox? Hmm. I think that he's thicker. Oh, interesting. Okay. I think that he's thicker than Aaron Fox. He he has like he has more of a muscular build mm-hmm. than. Uh, he's got more rust to him than De'Aaron does. 
More what? Russell Westbrook. Oh, more Russ. Okay. Yeah, yeah like he, that boy thick. Russell's is? Russell's jacked. I mean, he's not Giannis. He's, he's not Giannis jacked, but no, Russ is like Jesus jacked. He's like he's mm-hmm. like he's like a lean soccer all, player. All that natural jacked. that natural bod. Like he's not like Kyle Lowry thick. No, no, ain't, ain't nobody <laughs> That's the thick. Pinnacle. Ain't nobody thick like Kyle Lowry. That's the pinnacle. Um, That's the bulldog. Yeah. Fucking uh, let's let's get into something that I've been. You've been you've been teasing this for weeks. So, all right. So, I read a book called Willpower. It's better be worth it. By uh, some guy named Baumeister and another guy named Turney. Bellmeister? Baumeister. Burgermeister? No. That's his last name. Baumeister. Okay. Um, Is he German? Baumeister. I assume. Baumeister and Turney. Uh, So... This uh, Ballmeister. Now let me preface this a little a, bit. Yeah. You've been you've been teasing this book. You've been you've been like, I want to talk about this on the podcast. I want to talk about it on the podcast. And then this week, I just hear you going, "Fuck this, fuck this guy." You got really upset at the end of this book, dude. Uh, so, okay, so I would say if I had to give this book like like uh, on a five star system, you know I don't like five star systems. Bump it up to ten stars. Okay, so ten star <laughs> system, right? Uh, I'd probably give it like a five. Oh, there wow. are certain chapters that five are five being average. There are certain chapters that are a nine. Five being average. Yes, and so then it's there's an average book. The last three chapters, I would give so like I would give them like a four, a three, and a two. Wow, maybe even a one. Wow, uh, they no, went so, full so, Dexter on you. So this book is called Willpower, right? And it's a nonfiction book about uh, uh, about willpower and uh, about this. So. Baumeister is a social psychologist and he's done a lot of experiments. Um, and a lot of this is the, uh, the inclusion of a lot of his findings as well as other experiments, uh, as well as anecdotal stuff. And some of this anecdotal stuff is fucking fascinating, Mm -hmm. right? So there is, uh, um, there's a story in here, uh, about, um, a guy named, uh, Henry Morton Stanley, um, who was, uh, someone who was an explorer. He explored Africa. Apparently there was a lot of, uh, like there's like a bad narrative of, about him exploring Africa and he, apparently like he was a murderer or something like that. But like, apparently this book goes into like, okay, like it's kind of misconstrued the narrative okay. of him, but they don't go into, uh, his moral character as much as his resilience Okay, yeah. and his, um, Oh yeah, dude, villains can be very resilient. Yeah. And his, uh, but, and his willpower and there is just a lot of fascinating. So like this dude, Henry Morton Stanley, uh, was trying to, I, I guess, reach uh, the certain part of Africa, but they talk about how he, in one of his last, uh, expeditions, right? He got into a really serious relationship with this woman. Mm-hmm. And while he was going on one of his last expeditions, he had this idea of this woman in his, his head. He loved her so much. And like the idea of her was like progressing him through this, uh, these uh, just, just awful, awful conditions, yeah. uh, uh, in the heart of Africa. Well, it's it's kind of like, like people in the military kind of have a similar thing. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's very similar to the thing in the military. That's why like I, I kind of resonated with mm-hmm. it. Um, because a lot of times you hear about, uh, guys going through deployment and all they think about is their families back home. Mm-hmm. And then once they get home, they find out that they, uh, they, they significant other has a Jody, uh, <laughs> you know, um, and 
like it's it's a trope and it's a fucking it's a it's an it's an idea but it actually happens yeah it happens all of the fucking time but that's basically what happened to this dude he ends up getting uh to like this part of civilization uh civilization or whatever where he can get uh a piece of mail and his friend basically tells him hey this girl just married someone right and like and this is how this is how this dude responds to it he he basically saying whatever you know that's that's fine she gave me something that i probably couldn't give myself which was like the the inspiration to cross these lands you know mm. like like uh and I, I was just like man that's a fucking story right there. <laughs> like there was a lot of really cool anecdotal stuff uh in there as well as scientific evidence as well as um um suggestions on how to outsmart your willpower Ooh. right and the, the how to visualize willpower and and what you should be doing in order to um in order to have more willpower and to do the things that you i usually do. visualize my willpower as green constructs okay yeah mm. i like to make giant fists right. sometimes a hammer hmm. if i'm feeling real jazzy i'll make a jet plane that's pretty interesting yeah mostly and because like that's the probably the most I, original idea. The way I, I really focus it is that I wear a ring, uh-huh. and that's sort of what I channel everything huh. through. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty interesting. That's how I do it. So there's a lot of really cool. Little, just glazing past that stupid ass joke. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like a lot of really cool, uh, like little techniques that this book goes into. Um, it talks about like self monitoring, right? About how like say if you're losing weight, right? Mm-hmm. If you're trying to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, well, your weight fluctuates so much that you, sh- you shouldn't be weighing yourself every day. Yeah. But they say that you should be weighing yourself every day because it's a form of self-monitoring. It's a way to, to remind yourself and to monitor yourself of, you know, I'm, I'm doing this thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, say if you're writing down everything that you're, eat- that you're eating, mm-hmm. right? Looking at the things that you're eating inspires you to eat better, mm-hmm. right? You're like, oh, okay. Like it, it, it gives, it adds perspective, right? Um, that also like the ideas of like uh, pre-commitment. Um, the uh, the analogy that he uses is uh, Jason. No, fuck. Freddie. No, <laughs> no. It's not Jason and the Argonauts. Fuck. Um, it yeah it is. Huh? That's a thing. Uh, J- well, it is Jason. Like oh, that, that's okay. that is a thing. But I don't that's think that's not what he was referencing. So uh, fuck. There is, is it. Elifides. There's some. Hmm? Elifides. No, I think, I think actually it might, might be Odysseus. Okay. In the Odyssey. Yeah. Um, there's this, uh, yeah, because of the sirens. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there you go. in the Odyssey, uh, Odysseus, um, Odysseus ties himself to mm-hmm. the mast mm-hmm. and he has everybody on his boat basically put yeah. uh, wax in their ears, wax in their ears so that they can't hear the siren calls. Mm-hmm. Right. But that is a, uh, a symbol of pre-commitment. He knew going into it. Um, but, but before that, uh, occasion that he needed to avoid the sirens, right? So how did he do it? He didn't. He wasn't. He didn't go into it thinking, "Oh, I'm just gonna ignore him." I'm just like I'm. I'm. That'd be I, dumb. I'm. I have. I have greater willpower than those before me. Therefore, I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he fucking tied himself to the mast. So like a, a good. Uh, I mean, practical um, way that, that you can do something like this is, um, say, if you spend a lot of time on Reddit. 
right? Mm-hmm. And it just fucking waste. You spend three hours a day on you Reddit. Delete the app from your you're phone. You're fucking you. So you can delete the app, on or your you phone, get one of those apps or, that make you have a limited time on something. Exactly. Those are like web browser. Have a limited time or web browser that, or something things. that takes or something that shuts down your Wi-Fi for three hours. Oh, okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, I don't have Wi-Fi for three hours, therefore I can um, you know, get my on homework done. Yeah. Whatever. Right. Until you realize that you need to do some research mm-hmm. and you can't get on the internet because you don't have Wi-Fi. So there was j- just really practical, interesting stuff that I, that I found uh, in that book. Mm-hmm. But the last three chapters... Okay, what did what ruined it? So it started getting kind of weird. Um, I, I specifically remember two chapters. I forgot what that third was, at least right for right now. The, the, the one that I was kind of like, uh, this doesn't really interest me. Um, so like, I think that other people might find a lot of interest in it, but there's a a chapter on Eric Clapton Mm -hmm. and his, uh, association with God and how God basically turned away, uh, uh, his feelings of, he was an alcoholic and a drug addict. You mean Eric Clapton turned away his feelings? What did I say? God. You said God turned away his feelings. Well, with, so with God, so like with prayer, he utilized faith. Yes. To turn away from his vices. Exactly. Okay. Well, but then not just turn away, but to completely stop yeah. using them um, altogether. That's um, not an unheard of thing. That's pretty no, it's, normal. It's, it's not, but it's, people... it's also, they, they go into a, a lot of Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the first steps of Alcoholics Anonymous is the uh, uh, giving up your um, will to a higher power. That's part of it. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, now, that doesn't the necessarily steps, mean... Believing in God, though. No, they they always say higher power. Yeah, because it can be kind of anything. I've been to an AA meeting. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to go to it uh, while I was uh, hospital. Oh, that's right. You've told me that. So the chapter that like I was sort of mm-hmm. iffy on, that was the Eric Clapton chapter. Um, I I was fine with it. Like There was some interesting things in there, but for the most part, it was just interesting anecdotally. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I also wasn't that interested in the anecdote because it was just, it was a story that I've heard plenty of times oh, okay. um, through uh, people that have tried out AA. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, the hands down worst part about this book um, was the last chapter okay. and that's on dieting okay, and nutrition. Okay. Okay. I'm going to read three things that it says in chapter 10 of willpower. Uh, it's called, so the chapter is called the perfect storm of dieting. And I'll read this specific part, which just fucking pissed me off. It says this, if you're serious about controlling your weight, you need the discipline to follow these three rules. One, never go on a diet. Two, never vow to give up chocolate or any other food. And three, which I actually kind of agree with this, whether you're judging yourself or judging others, never equate being overweight with having weak willpower. I agree with that third point and absolutely despise the first two. Okay. So tell me if I'm wrong here, right? You can never not be on a diet. You can never not be on it. No matter what you're eating, you're always on a diet. Sure. In the sense of 
definition of diet being what you're eating. So I'll, so I'll but explain. not in the sense of like the marketable idea of what a diet is. Okay. Obviously. But also just because something is not sold, doesn't make it not a diet. Right. So one big problem that I have with these two rules and he expands upon that, which infuriated me even more, um, was that the fact that I think it's irresponsible. I think that it's biased and I think that it is, I don't think that the work that he put forth in the earlier chapters was equated in this chapter because I think that someone can read that someone who's dealing with weight issues Mm -hmm. and believe, you know, I shouldn't be eating any different. You know, it could discourage them from eating more vegetables. Mm -hmm. It could discourage them from avoiding sugar. Mm -hmm. Whatever you believe is an unhealthy diet, right? It could discourage you from making better decisions about your diet. And ultimately, the most fucked up thing about it is the fact that it's contradictory to other things that he wrote in previous chapters in this book. So... Well, my, my thing about you a make diet. the argument that a diet is similar to the Odyssey thing. Okay, so right, my so my point in the and you guys can feel free to fucking uh, uh, fight criticize him. Well, fight him criticize me here, right? No, fight you. Um, yeah, fight me. <laughs> um, yeah, internet, fight me. No, I'm talking about in person. So when I say that that no matter what you're eating, you're always on a diet, correct? Fucking, when you go to the zoo and you hear someone talk about a koala, they say, oh, this this koala subsists on a diet of mm-hmm. leaves and uh, eucalyptus, mm-hmm. whatever, right? So whatever you're eating is your diet. Mm-hmm. That is what you're yeah, consuming. Yeah, you're thinking about, I think you're thinking now, about diet in a different way than what he now, meant by diet but, in that room. Beca- but, okay, that is a semantic conversation, yeah. whatever. Obviously, he's talking about don't go on a diet like he's talking the about Atkins like, diet, exactly. Yes, right? Don't yes. go on an Atkins diet. Don't right? go keto. But okay, what is the issue here with going on a diet, going on keto, going on Atkins, right? Like what is Slim he going fast. after? What is he going after? Uh, I don't know. So you tell me. You read it. The the fault in his thinking, right? And and I and I'm not sure who because the uh, Tierney is the, the, the New York times writer that basically put together a lot of this information mm-hmm. and the, the scientist is uh Ballmister. I'm okay. not sure who came up with what, as far as this, um, but earlier on in the book, they talk about how you should avoid sugar because they, they, they talk about the, uh, the idea of ego depletion, right. And how, uh, basically a, a lot of people will think that, uh, you know, if, if I, if I work out right and I need to do homework, those are two different levels of my willpower. They're not, they all come from the same thing. If you have just got done working out it makes you like less likely to have the same amount of willpower for, uh, having home, like doing homework and shit like that. That's why it's better, um, to, you know, uh, intermittently, um, be like, uh, uh, put in little parts of relaxation time of, uh, whatever in between areas of workload, mm-hmm. right? Even if it is physical, if it's mental, if it's emotional, if you just got in a, a fight with, uh, with your girlfriend, you probably, she, you probably shouldn't write that paper right now. You know what I mean? You know, simmer take, down, take 30 minutes, you yeah. know, eat something. And so they talk a lot about 
the idea of ego depletion and this um, this uh, having a basically like a fuel storage of your willpower, right? And how it you know there's a correlation between that and glucose levels. Uh, it was a really uh, interesting okay. thing uh, in the earlier chapters about the the relation there. And the, uh, but they said that if you want to have uh, basically a, a better more sustainable willpower that you should go for the slow burn, right? So instead of, you know, reaching for a chocolate and things that are going to spike up your glucose levels, you should be eating, um, leafy vegetables, mm -hmm. uh, uh, whole grains, shit like that. Right. Uh, and that's a topic of uh, its own debate. You know, like there's plenty of people who believe in ketosis yeah. that believe that you should avoid whole grains entirely mm -hmm. and any kind of carbs. Yeah. Um, at, uh, at least carbs that are not dietary or fiber. Um, but then he goes on to explain, never go on a diet, right? If you're telling someone that you should be avoiding sugar, that is a diet. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you sell it. I don't care if it doesn't have a name. I don't care if it, you know, it's not the, uh, the, the Bollmeister diet or whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? That's a diet, right? A, that's contradictory. B, I think that it's irresponsible to encourage people to never go on a diet. See, the, like, and the problem with um, this is like later on in the chapter, in this dieting chapter, they go into a lot of interesting things about how people think about diets. And I think that the approach to dieting is what should be examined here and not the vilification of dieting, mm -hmm. right? Um, and this is something that I've realized through reading this book and, um, never really like, it's, it's very obvious, um, once you think about it, but I've never had, I've never thought about it this way because of the nature of who I am. I'm someone who is lucky enough to eat whatever they want and it doesn't never matter. Never gain any weight. And it doesn't. You eat like shit. I eat <laughs> like ass. I advocate for eating healthy. Yeah, I do. But you don't do it. <laughs> I've been eating better lately. I've been eating like I buy a bag of lettuce. Mm -hmm. uh, I was like spinach every, uh. Like I had, I had a big ass chicken salad yesterday with mm -hmm. carrots and, and cheese and shit like that. Like I've, I've been eating a little bit. Cheese? Better. How dare you? <gasps> How dare you? I mean, I mean, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I eat like shit and I still look fine. I don't gain weight. Um, the only like big issue for me is like, I can, I recognize the difference. You can feel my, it. I can feel it. Um, when, especially when I'm working out a lot, mm -hmm. um, and I can like your energy level. My, uh, I wouldn't say even my energy level. I know. Um, I just know when I'm operating at an optimal level. Mm -hmm. uh, like I, I, I can feel it, but also like my brain and how it works, and like the being able to articulate sentences better. Mm -hmm. I'm better at doing it when I'm more healthy. Ambulance. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> it's ambulance. Jeez, Go ahead. Dude. You're good. I don't. I don't think it's that. Okay. All right. Anyways, so I do advocate for eating healthy. I, obviously, I I do Monkey. eat like shit. Do uh, as you say, not as you of, do. Well, okay. Okay. Sometimes. <laughs> okay, but me stating me advocating for eating healthy, right? Like I just I think that it's. I don't know. I th I, th I feel like it's obvious, but I feel like a lot of people don't. So they don't eat healthy for the sake of eating healthy. 
they will eat healthy with the goal in with mind. With a goal in mind, yeah. To lose weight. Yeah. Specifically to say, I need to get I rid need to of eat healthy pounds. so that I can lose weight. And, yeah. And that's something that I've never thought about. About like the that going into it with that intention mm-hmm. and how it can kind of fuck you over. Mm-hmm. And this and this book kind of goes into that. And it was probably the best part of the, about that chapter was about if you go into it thinking, I need to lose like I'm a going certain to eat number of this, pounds. I'm going to uh, eat. I'm going to go on this diet so I can lose this amount of weight. To get to this goal weight. Right. So then when you reach that and goal weight. The problem is the sustainability yeah. of it. You'll even if you do hit that weight. Yep. Right. You'll give up. Yep. And you'll be like, OK, I I'm reached good. My goal. I'm good. Yeah. Instead of. Instead of thinking about it as a, okay, I'm going to establish healthy habits for mm-hmm. my diet and be like, okay, like I'm, I'm only going to drink water and maybe I'll have uh, soda on the weekends, whatever. Right. Um, th- there's no goal in mind there. It's a mm-hmm. lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Right. It's, it, it, it's, it's you becoming addicted to the process. So let me, let me, let me put habits. something in. I'm, I've, Go ahead. So, okay. Uh, my dad had a heart attack. When I was maybe around six or seven, mm-hmm. uh, he was like in his 30s, mm-hmm. very early age to have a heart attack. He died for 12 seconds, something like that. Right. Brought back to life by the doctors, but his heart flatlined. He died. When he came, when he recovered from his surgeries and everything he had to go through, he made a very dedicated change mm-hmm. to his lifestyle. Right. He completely changed the way he ate, his activity level, and everything. Now he's like a. He's like a blue he's belt. Nut. He's yeah. a blue belt in jujitsu, mm-hmm. and he doesn't eat anything with corn syrup in it or any. He's very. He's learned all his his um, allergies, like um, not just allergies, but things that he's intolerant to. So, like, don't go out to eat with my dad. It's a horrible experience because he asks the waiter what's in everything and whether or not he can eat it. Uh, like my dad is like my nightmare to serve is if someone mm-hmm. like my dad walks in because <laughs> I'm like I don't know. <laughs> um, right. So, but like. I have seen firsthand what you're talking about. The idea of not saying I'm going to go on a diet, but saying I'm going to change the way I live. Yeah. Also, as someone who has struggled a lot with weight fluctuation in their life, Mm -hmm. I've been like uh, north of 240-ish all the way down to 185 at different times. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like a pretty largely, I'm like pretty thickly built. I have broad shoulders Mm -hmm. and I'm six feet tall. I'm I'm above average sized human yeah but like the 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 span i'm talking about post high school because in high school i played sports so i had sort of like a like a stringent exercise schedule from that but post high school when it's basically my own faculties the best stretch that i ever was in was the same thing i I wasn't like i'm going to go on a diet to lose weight it was i go to the i go to the gym you know this many times a week and I had a personal trainer at that time, which was kind of by accident, but ended up working out in my favor. Right. And I went to him three times a week. Yeah. He was a super dope dude. Shout out Raul. I doubt he's listening to this. <laughs> um, and I just basically made the concerted effort to eat more healthy than I usually do. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a conversation with Ooh. you where you literally said that. Yeah. Where you were, uh, we were out at dinner uh, or something and you had ordered like grilled chicken or yeah. something. I think it was at Hill House. And I, <laughs> yeah. And I asked you, I was like, so are you, are you on a diet? And you said, nah. no, I just kind of, and that, and I think that goes to show uh, as far as what they're trying to get after in this book with mm-hmm. this chapter, they're trying to say, they're trying to change the way that you think about what a diet is and how uh, you can change your behaviors to yeah. it. So, uh, 
one thing that they talk about is the, the I feel like we've kind of talked about this as far as like the the oh fuck it kind of factor, mm-hmm. right? So say if you're on a diet, a very strict, uh, uh, yeah, like if you're doing keto or something, uh, it's really strict. So so there's there's positives and negatives towards having a very strict diet. They talk about the bright line effect, right? About having very strict rules, which is something that keto has, right? You have an amount of net carbs that you're allowed mm-hmm. to eat per day, right? So it puts things in very And they have to be specific types of carbs. Yeah. Like, well, so so what net carbs are, I'm, I'm, I might be fucking it up here, but basically you take the amount of total carbs and then you minus dietary fiber, the grams okay. of dietary fiber. Oof. And then you should have at least 25 to 50 grams of net carbs per day. That's, that's the usually suggested amount. So, but in order to do that, you kind of have to cut out a lot of shit, yeah. including things that uh, I feel like a lot of people probably view as healthy, like bananas. Yeah. Uh, things like, uh, and it's a majority of fruits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, fruit has a lot of sugar in it. But what you should be doing is replacing a lot of those carbs um, with uh, proteins, uh, healthy, like leafy, dark vegetables, mm-hmm. um, and things that are high fat. Interesting. Um, which a lot of people demonize. Um, mm-hmm. But... They say basically like you're what you should be avoiding is not um, is not fat. You're talking fat about is the keto fun. diet. This is the keto diet specifically, right? But what uh, one thing that I noticed while I was on the I was on the keto diet for a month, mm-hmm. um, and I also don't. You just say, wanted to try it. You weren't like I well, yeah. I wanted you to just try, wanted to. I wanted to try it. I wanted to have basically. more discipline. Yeah. I wanted to have more discipline with what I was eating, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I also don't advocate one diet for everyone. Yeah. I think that everyone everyone's should, bodies are different. Everyone's bodies are different, and everyone should find their own inner thing. But I will mm-hmm. never fucking advocate uh, the my own diet. <laughs> yeah, never, yeah. I'll well, like when I lost a advocate bunch of, frozen pizzas when I was, every when other I, day. When I did like when I lost a, when we were living in Orlando, or, I don't know if you were still there, but. When I lost a, bu- I lost like I want to say like forty pounds. It, it, I wasn't really dieting as much as I just was like I'll just eat grilled chicken most of the time because mm-hmm. I know it's healthy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. it's just like you know when you're eating things that aren't good for you. Mm-hmm. You know you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And there's some that are you know like if you're eating like whole wheat breads or right. rice. Like some things are like when you're getting down to the nitty gritty. But for the most part. If you're just trying to live a healthier, healthier lifestyle, yeah. it's okay if you have a sandwich with holy bread. Yeah, well, it's like okay, so like uh, like the, the granola isn't accepted on a ketogenic diet, but every morning, like I'll normally eat like yogurt and granola. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty fucking healthy. Yeah, you know, that's a pretty healthy option, yeah. especially if it's um, if it's not uh, yogurt that's higher in sugar. Which yeah. I've been eating a lot. I, I'm not eating like Yoplait. I'm eating mm-hmm. uh, yogurt that d- doesn't have some. Mis- it's uh, fucking gross. So. <laughs> That's my the hardest part for me with eating healthy is I don't like anything. Yeah, I'm just very. I'm way too picky an eater to like eat to eat well. But like what you just talked about, right? So uh, what you just talked about, like okay, if I go to um, this place, I'm going to have grilled chicken instead of that. Mm -hmm. That's one. That's one of the things that they talk about in the book called uh, implementation uh, implementation intention. Right. So there. So it's really easy. It's if X happens, then Y. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I go to a film set and there's crafty there. Right. I, instead of eating chips, I'm going to eat. Yeah. I'm going to eat the carrots that are there or I'm going to bring my own water. Right. Mm -hmm. Like whatever, whatever it is. Um, but it's, 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 it's having, um, having pre-planned structures in order to avoid the the situations that you want to avoid. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Fuck, what were were we talking about? Okay, so the bright line effect to the positives and negatives of having a very strict diet. So, Well, I think the negative might be the guilt factor of 
when you mess it up. So the, the negatives of having a super strict diet of saying, I am not going to eat X, right? I'm not going to eat chocolate, right? Say if you do get a craving, Mm -hmm. right? And you have some chocolate. If you have those very strict rules, you might just say, well, fuck it. I'm going to give it, it. I'm going to give it, well, I'm going to give in today. Yeah. I'm going to give in today. And then I'm just going to eat a whole bunch of chocolate. Yep. Right. And there was a lot I'm of experiments. Have a whole bag of Starburst jelly beans. And there was a lot of experiments delicious. Uh, going into this uh, with like three different groups. And they had one control group that wasn't told anything. They had one control group that said, hey, eat as much chocolate as you want. And another one that said like, okay, you cannot eat this chocolate, whatever. Like, and there was, uh, Basically, in these experiments, they showed that like if you're trying to say, no, I will not do certain thing, once you finally give in, you eat way more than you, you would have originally, that's, right? Yeah, it's an avalanche. That's true. Yeah. it's um, definitely true. Yeah. Um, but, and, but it's like little ideas like that that I agreed with mm-hmm. and that I thought were really interesting. But the absolutism of yeah. saying, Never if do you diet. want to lose weight, don't go on a diet. Go fuck yourself. That shit pissed me off. Yeah. That shit. And I thought, I thought uh, to me it's irresponsible. Well, it's, it's fucking dangerous. It's a little bit less about what they're saying and how they're saying it. Yeah. The but, gist of what they're trying to get across I mean, makes you can, sense. You can see this on the book, right? It's literally like they, it's, it's fucking, like separated. It's, it's very, separated yeah. And, in a rule, yeah. like, like one, two, three, these are the yeah. rules that you have to follow yeah. in order to lose weight. I think it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because like a the rest of the book is so good. Yeah. The rest of the book is so good and it's easier for people to get tricked into kind of shit like that. Mm-hmm. Being like, you know what? Like, uh, you know, fucking going on a diet is pointless. Um, yeah. So it, that shit pissed me off. Um, other than that, book, good the, book. Brought the book down though. <laughs> other than that, good book. <laughs> I like Just it. don't read chapter 10. Yeah. I would, I would say you can skip the last three chapters. Last three. If you're interested in um, sort of the anecdotal yeah, maybe stuff pe- maybe of Maybe people Eric Clapton. don't know about the Eric Clapton thing, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fairly uh, fairly interesting, especially like a lot, if you don't know a lot of Eric Clapton or if you're a big fan of Eric Clapton, you do know and you didn't know as much about the religious mm. side. You know, I could, sure, you, you know, I could recommend yeah. that part. Um, but Chapter 9 oh, the ten. other the other chapter was, oh, man. Uh, was a chapter on parenting. Um, and now how are you qualified? To I'm not any ideas about parenting. I'm not. Um, there was just a lot of, and that was also another wait, one that no, was like kind of, that, that was a joke because at the end of the day, like the joke of being like, you don't have kids. How can you say anything about parent? Just cause you have kids doesn't mean that you have the, like the, the wherewithal to be a good parent either. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's probably just as many kidless people who would be better parents than half the people that have kids. You know what I'm saying? I think I think there's there's two sides to that. Sure. I, think, I mean, I think that like if you don't have kids, like you should probably temper your own uh, opinions and mm-hmm. and ideas about what it takes to be a parent, mm-hmm. how how much of a parent you should be, because I mean, you really don't know yeah. what it's like. Um. So yeah, but I mean, at the same time, I don't think that you should completely discredit those who don't yeah. have. What did what did they say in the chapter kids. about parenting you didn't like? Uh, I mean, it was just uh like. I thought it was interesting. I, like I, I thought it was more interesting. I was more. I, I, I was more inclined to read through the chapter uh, than I was completely pissed off by the last chapter, because mm-hmm. um, I think this was the ninth chapter, um, uh, the the part about parenting. But it was basically talking about um, the idea of raising your kids and telling them. Um, 
so it's, it's, it's basically like instead of having like work centric, um, like achievement centric parenting and giving kids, um, the like, okay, if it, you have a kid and they achieve X, right? Like then you can give, like if you get good grades credit. on your report card, I'll buy you a video. Then game you can give them credit and yeah. that, that kind of like positive, mm-hmm. um, and they said that like uh, that is better to teach your kids than a way, a way to raise your kids than if you just tell them that they're capable of anything. And like the why issue, is one not why can't you do both? Exactly. So that like that's like I didn't think that like they're not opposites. I agree. I agree. I agree with you. But like they were basically going into the uh, the idea of like giving everybody a trophy kind of thing. They mm-hmm. literally use that as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't even, I don't agree with that. Giving everyone a trophy? No, I don't. No, it's silly. No, I, I don't agree with it. And I, I, and like I, for the most part, kind of agreed with the chapter and the fact that like you know, but but it's it's how you phrase it. I honestly believe that as a a young child, you are fucking capable of anything. I'm just going to say it. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell my kids that. Mm-hmm. I'm saying you're gonna be capable of everything, but. You have to fucking work. For yeah, it. you have to work. For you it. have to work. You have for to earn it. it, and you're gonna have to earn it. You're gonna have to like whether through smarts or pure grit, your heart, whatever it fucking takes. You can achieve anything that you want to, but nothing is going to be given to you. Mm-hmm. And if it is, it's not going to be as uh, worth as much, mm-hmm. right? So to me, it's how you phrase it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. They brought up Lady Gaga and like the like like. Yeah, like that. Well, the Sorry. whole like 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 telling someone that they're a superstar yeah. right off the bat isn't a good way We're to raise children. Superstars. That it isn't a good way to raise children. Um, that and it actually conditions them in a in a really uh, negative way. Mm. Um, because then they can um, feel sort of entitled. There's entitlement that comes into it, and there's also a uh, um, a, a self. Um, appeasing notion of like, like even say, even if, even if you are failing, like there's no drive to improve upon it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I just, I, I don't think that there was enough nuance within that chapter to really like, uh, appease me to really like, um, cool. So you, you read willpower. I read willpower. You had thoughts. It was all right. It's all right. The first six chapters are very good. First seven. I'll say the first seven. Are Eight, really nine, good. ten are not. First seven are really good. There's a lot of fucking really interesting stuff, man. Like a lot of good anecdotal stuff. A lot of really good uh, sci- scientific stuff. Um, yeah. Cool. You want to hop to shout outs? We're pretty long right now. Yeah. Let's do it. You got one? Or you want me to go first? Uh, yeah, I do. So I actually brought this up in, I'm not sure if it was last week's long episode or if it was a. Uh, no, it was uh, during the True Detective episode. Okay, okay. Uh, I talked about uh, the pair of headphones that I use. Oh, yeah. And I made a joke I about how had, you should shout them out. I said I save had, it for a shout out. I had, and I'm doing that. Yeah. Right now. All right, so uh, the pair of headphones that I'm going to be advocating for, shouting out here, is the Audio-Technica M50s. I've had these this pair of headphones for Forever. five years. I got them when I was in South Carolina. I ordered them, and, and they were refurbished when I got them. Oh, wow. Um, so I think I bought them for like 110, 120 bucks, which anybody who like doesn't really vibe with like, they're like, holy shit, that's a a lot to pay for a pair of headphones. 
a very cheaper than beats. Um, yep. uh, B like, I don't think you realize how fucking gripping things are. Like, like having proper sound, having proper sound and having really good headphones are like mm-hmm. you talk to any musician or yep. audio engineer, having really good headphones is fucking important. It completely changes experiences. Exactly. Whether you're watching like TV shows or movies or listening to music. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It. Yep. Um, I do not have good headphones. No, but you do use my headphones. On I sometimes. Occasion. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would, I would suggest these, uh, I would think, so I, I don't think that if how you, much did you say they were, or do you even know any, I mean, they're I, so they've old. probably gone they're down probably, in price yeah. for uh, the while. There's probably like newer, uh, additions out there That's but true. i i mean i i did a lot of research before i bought them because like i was i was like thinking about beats you know what i mean mm-hmm. just because they were so popular yeah, they're cool I was like, they're cool well here's the thing if you i'm not gonna completely like disregard yeah disregard disregard the, those who want to buy beats like there's if you want headphones that look cool that have a better bass pickup then buy beats mm-hmm. they're better but they're a little bit overpriced mm-hmm. um and there are if if you're more just uh, uh, about having quality headphones that give you more true to sound, uh, more of a true to sound experience, the uh, Audio Technica M50s. Audio Technica M50s. Yeah. Boom. Cool. You want to hear mine? What's up? They'd be great to pair with a pair of Audio Technica mm. M50s. Is this some music? It's something that we've mentioned. You mentioned it earlier. This we've we've mentioned it a few times on the show. Tiny Desk Series. Yeah. The Tiny Desk Series is a... Literally brought up on this show. Yeah, you said it earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a video series of concerts hosted on NPR Music's YouTube channel Mm -hmm. where they bring in different musical acts and they perform usually their biggest hits live, but it's in a... It's literally in an office, like behind a tiny desk. And the outcome of this setting usually leads to the acts being stripped down and much much less uh production being involved mm-hmm. there are some people who bring in whole bands they'll bring in like five or six people and cram mm-hmm. them all back there and it's usually still pretty cool yeah but the nature of the setting and leads to this stripped down level of performance usually leads to very cool versions of songs done by very talented people they get they bring on Really, really talented artists. Some of the best ones I can think of off the top of my head, we mentioned Saba's last week is amazing. Adele has one that's really good. Um, the Roots have a really great one. Mm. Um, what was the one you said earlier today? Uh, I, I talked about Hozier. Hozier. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I watched the, the Take Me to Church yeah. that you did on that. Um, what did that? Georgia Smith has one that's really good. Uh, she was on the Black Panther soundtrack. Right. Uh, yeah. And they released them, I want to say at least once a week. And it, like, it's kind of cool. Cause you ha- more than half the time, I have no idea who the acts are. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I just, you know, if I don't know who it is, I don't watch it. But if you do take the time to watch people, you don't know, you discover new, really talented people, mm-hmm. which is also very cool. Um, I know that it was like kind of a, a T-Pain did one and people were like, wow, T-Pain can actually sing. Yeah. Cause there's no auto tune. Uh, yeah, they're just, there's, they're very cool. There's a ton of them. So there's a huge backlog. If you've never watched them, you can just go on to NPR, um, music's YouTube channel and just find all of the whole series on there. Uh, yeah, there's the really, really great performances on there. Yeah. Like, the, but like the coolest aspect of it is like the, the, uh, getting music to its roots. Like yeah. it has like a very boiled down mm-hmm. live, 
um, like like acoustic isn't even enough to like really describe. It's not what... always just acoustic either. Sometimes yeah, people bring exactly. in amps and mm-hmm. guitars and drum sets and backup yeah. singers, mm-hmm. but it still has a stripped down quality to it's it. It's stripped down. Yeah. It's not overproduced, which mm-hmm. I, like it, uh, it, it, it lends to a, like a, a better yep. experience at certain times, especially yep. if they're as talented as a Saba or Adele. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Dude, Adele's stupid talented. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are our shout outs, uh, tiny desk series and the audio technica, M P fifties, M D fifties, M M fifties. Oh, just M. It. Dang it. I was so close. Audio Technica M fifties tiny desk concert. This has been an extra long edition of the Chris and Kyle show. Hope you had fun. Uh, come back, check out this week, the winner of our poll, which we just looked, <clears throat> even though Chris is, has no integrity, and he votes on our own polls. I have integrity. Our, uh, there's a difference between integrity and just the the differences between our he own tried to take moral the, quandaries. He tried to take the power away from you people by putting his own... Just because someone has different weight. standards than you doesn't mean that <laughs> they have less integrity, sir. You made the argument that we didn't establish rules, and that's true. So I am now establishing the rule that we can't vote on our own polls. Let's vote on it. No, I'm telling you right I, now. I it's vote the against rule. that rule. It's the rule. I vote against that you rule. You can't vote on our own and polls. That's I messed up. I make up 50% of this here podcast. Nope. Nope. Anyway. If you the, get the majority vote, I'll... Uh, what? I said if you get the majority vote, then, you know. Cheater. Anyway, it doesn't matter because Chris lost on the poll. We're going to be watching and talking about Raging Bull this week, which I'm really excited for because I've never seen it. I had never seen Taxi Driver and would have been equally excited for that one. But Raging Bull won. It is the voice of the people. And it will be our I mean, spoiler it's, episode. It's, it's interesting. Will be our spoiler episode this week. Hmm. So look forward to that. Check us out on the social medias. Find Chris, ChrisMichaelStott.com. Read his scripts. Find ChrisMichaelStott on Instagram. Find me, DavinWorld25, on Instagram and Twitter. Find the show, The Chris and Kyle Show, on Facebook, on YouTube, on all podcasting platforms, on Instagram. Uh, TCAX pod on Twitter. We will not be putting up a new poll for next month because the winner of our bracket challenge, which currently tied for first place is Chris Michael Stott and his brother. Mm-hmm. So who knows what movie we're going to end up watching if one of you guys wins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, so, a good, there's a good chance that he's going to win. Yeah. Because, well, because I had Washington. Oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. UNC. So. Uh-oh. It's okay. If North Carolina wins... I will probably win. There's a chance. I'm the only one who picked North Carolina or didn't pick Duke. I picked North Carolina over Duke. We'll see. Hmm. And if I win, I don't know. I have no idea what movie I would pick. I have no idea. Really? You haven't been thinking about it? Like, part of me would want to just pick like a movie that I I know we both really like. Like, finally do a Dark Knight episode or something. Mm -hmm. Part of me would want to do like the Batman vs Superman episode just to rage because yeah. I think it'd be entertaining. Mm-hmm. And part of me would want to do Glory Road because I love it, but then I don't want to hear you shit talk it at all. So I'm not going to do it. Glory Road? Yeah. You think I would shit talk it? I think Road? you would shit talk it. Honestly, I think that like, I would absolutely shit talk it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. We're about to run out of disc. It's been fun. We out. We out. Stay weird. <laughs>